0: I'm Miss Danielle, host of the new podcast, Help a Human Out. We'll meet a person going through something nobody in their real life can relate to. Our job is to
1: find someone who has been there, who knows what that is like, an expert of sorts. We're taking difficult, confusing, or isolating situations and normalizing them. One person, one problem, one podcast episode at a time. You can subscribe to Help a Human Out wherever you listen to podcasts. everybody, welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. This is a bonus episode. You know, we're not super bookish on this here podcast, but occasionally I uh, venture into literature, the classics, only the important stuff, Jessica Simpson's memoir and the like. Looking forward to reading Mariah Carey's in the next couple weeks. For today, I have a discussion with our, you know, official royal correspondent Merritt Beck, of the style scribe, who you can find on Instagram at meritbeck two r's two t's. Please do not laugh that this episode's almost three hours, and please don't get mad at me. I, I, I sometimes I edit it down in the interest of like not turning people away, but when it's about like a fandom or a niche topic that I know we're only it's only bringing people. We're already invested. This is one of the rare times I think more is better. And like, she, we're good friends, so we can talk forever. So um, yeah, anyways, I just, initially I was like going crazy, trying to cut it down. But like, we went through like every chapter essentially of the book. And then I'm like, well, if you haven't read it, maybe you do want to hear it. Anyways, I was torn. I just don't, I don't want to be that person. But at the same time, whatever. Save some for later. I, I, I love a to-go box. Anyway, so yeah, Merritt's a good friend of mine and a very successful blogger and a markle superfan just like myself they will say during this conversation you'll notice this book made us that we were suspicious of this book um well i think that the public is needlessly harsh and she's experienced a lot of unfair hatred and as you know i've talked about we we this is maybe Meredith's fourth royals related episode we've talked about like uh, how I find so much of the commentary surrounding Megan to be sexist, to be racist, to be uh, rooted in so many other things than her actual behavior. And uh, just from a, in terms of how the media tends to talk about women, especially women of color. And while, you know, tapered off to a degree after that behavior was called out, I, I feel like the nitpicking then went into things that were so like Such non-story, such non-events, almost like confusing, um, like like a microscope on things that were so utterly unimportant and irrelevant to the work she was doing. But they wanted, like, a reason to hate her. And when called out for the problematic, you know, biases they were projecting, they just kind of diverted their attention into other things. And it's like, no wonder they hate the media. Not only did they have such a role in the death of his mother, but also, you know, his new wife, his new family the mother of his child, you know, when people are coming after her unfairly and the leaks are coming from within your own roof, like under your own roof within the palace and your family isn't stopping it. You're going out of their way to like protect Prince Andrew. It's like, like, I just think it's so crazy that people think that they're crazy for wanting to leave what's in kind of archaic organization that while I respect the tradition could have uh, really benefited from the modernizing and the diversity and the different perspective that Megan brought to the table. And I know that uh, the monarchy, like, that's not what it's here for. It's here to, like, honor tradition. Uh, and I know people get upset when you suggest that these things need to be modified because it's not the point. But I think there's a balance to be struck. I think fair treatment's important. I think the, what the family represents in terms of what they, you know, fight for and what they speak on matters. And I think they've just made really uh, odd choices throughout... Um, Harry and Meghan's relationship and well, we'll never truly know what happened. And while I certainly don't think they're perfect, you know, I, um, I think this book was kind of an interesting experience for me because I feel very strongly about her being treated unfairly, but then this book is so like, oh my God, it's so so favorable toward her and the details are so frustratingly specific and i i I ate up every second and we 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 go into a lot of detail um but i just had to laugh because Merritt and i are kind of like yeah even we're off put by how this seems like something she fully endorsed even though they say she didn't so and we'll never really know but anyway all that to say uh i was so this took forever because i can hear are tugboat snoring i'm sorry This took forever, not that anybody cares about the nuances of audio editing, Um, but there are times, especially when you're Zooming, um, A, I need to start sending microphones to people who I Zoom with who aren't podcasters, because why the hell would you have audio equipment? And that's on me. But also, when you have two different sources of audio and varying audio quality, it's so important to have two separate audio tracks, one per person, and then you engineer them and master them separately and then together and that in of itself is a long process um but zoom consolidated half of this conversation and half not anyways editing this took forever and I just don't want you guys to think I was sleeping on it so anyway sorry about the audio quality but you will get used to it and uh you know we're doing the best we can here amidst uh, all of this vir- virtual interaction we're doing so I don't know let me know your thoughts on the episode would love to hear sorry for the delay regardless of what you think of meg and harry and the royal the firm if you will hope hopefully you'll uh you know find your freedom of thought in addition to uh learning about finding freedom i think there's a lot of different ways you can look at this and it's just fun to speculate and no one really knows the story and it's just a good time all around to think about the the fabulous difficult complicated layered lives of these public figures who i really miss seeing out and about <laughs> it was fun while it lasted and the music I was using as an inter- interlude is um, Karen Gibson in the Kingdom Choir, the immaculately styled, brilliantly arranged Stand By Me from The Royal Wedding. Okay, enjoy.
2: Stand by me,
3: stand by me,
2: stand by me. Stand by me. So darling, darling, stand
1: Guys, I'm so excited to have Merritt back back in the house my official royal correspondent we've been working through some technical issues i think we've made it through i've missed you greatly over quarantine Merritt. she was supposed to move to chicago sadly didn't you know her from her blog the style scribe from instagram at Merritt beck at sussex style watch she's the absolute best really needs no introduction because this is her fourth time on the podcast and i know you guys love
0: her um but needless to say welcome back Merritt. Thanks for having me. I mean, so, literally so much has happened since we last spoke on here. So,
1: I know. Just a couple of naive gals in January, hopeful for the future.
0: <laughs> we didn't know what was about to hit us. And I mean, even, even the news today we got was perfect timing for us recording this. Right. And it, and it
1: kind of Shift my perspective a little bit. So, today it was announced that Meghan and Harry have like a multi year deal with Netflix. The rumored amount I read was a hundred million dollars, so though it's not confirmed. But, like, the Obamas got somewhere close. Didn't they get, get like 80 or something? Not that it's comparable to be Harry and Meghan and Barack Obama, but yeah, they have a multi year Netflix deal to do hopeful and uplifting content for Netflix that I think is dark doc- documentaries and children's programs. Is
0: that right? <laughs> Yes, and in I think informative was one of the words they mm. used. Um, but I also read in addition to their signing, which would be like a hundred million dollars, if they are featured instead things like a documentary, they could make 250 million. So I mean I they're set. <laughs> I think they I think they figured it out. I was a little worried there for a second that they would have a rough start. And uh not thinking that anymore. <laughs> well, it's like,
1: yeah, insert a carrot into the between the two words, like finding financial freedom. It makes it seem, it's like, I get that the press is a big part of it. I get that Archie and his well-being is a big part of it. I get that Harry's been rife with resentment and his whole life against the media. But it, it slowly becomes more clear over time that this was a smart business venture, an unprecedented one, and puts them in a level of celebrity status of wealth and power that other royals can't really get to. Because despite having the optics of power, they're so limited on everything they can do. They're completely struck by rules. So it's, it is interesting because they found themselves in the best case scenario for their own little family, even if it was at the cost of their bigger family.
0: Totally. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't blame them. uh, just knowing what we do know. I mean, obviously the book is one perspective. We're going to talk about that and I'm sure there's an entirely different story from each side. That's part of this, but it looks like they're coming out pretty well in terms of the money and kind of freedom, the freedom they will actually get in this new life. So, you know, absolutely. (laughs) And I think high level, what was so, so
1: we're, We'll kind of um, hop like a little bit all over. I know some of you used the Audible code a couple weeks ago to get the book. Some of you just want to know the, you know, what's going on. And we're less going to like summarize and outline the whole thing, but try to point out some more notable pieces because I actually thoroughly enjoy this. I learned a lot. It was fascinating to me because I felt like it confirmed a lot of what the press said, even if they had the wrong angle. I'm kind of amazed at how close they were to the truth, even if they misreported it. Like, There's leaks on leaks on leaks and a lot of it I had heard before, but it was interesting to hear it confirmed, interesting to hear it from different angles. And um, I think that like the comedy of this book is the paradox of, it's like, I can believe either way that Megan, it's like, I would believe, I I think that this book basically reads like Megan wrote it. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> the only thing I would say, though, is I would almost believe she didn't read it because it is so obviously in her favor. And if she had read it, I'd be like, hey, throw me a few insults, throw me under the bus, make this less obvious. She's not an idiot. Like, this is almost cheesily in her favor that the only explanation I can have other than him having very, you know, direct access to them is that he's like, it's just ass kissing 101. And he wants to get, but like, who really cares? He clearly knows them. So, the author, Omid Scobie, he traveled with them on press stores. He knows them personally. Are they friends? I guess not. And at the beginning of the book, now. <laughs> well, maybe. Now. <laughs> well, and I, I did a screenshot. At the beginning of the book, he says something that I think the fine print is important. He says that. As a rule, no member of the British royal family is a- officially allowed to authorize a biography. However, Carolyn and I were able to gain extensive access to those closest to the couple: friends, trusted aides, senior courtier, courtiers, uh, courtiers, <laughs> and many individuals in the Sussex, Sussexes' inner circle. We also accompanied Harry and Meghan on hundreds of their engagements, work trips, and tours, spanning from Ireland to Tonga, all in an effort to create an intimate and accurate portrait. Of a truly modern royal couple, who, whether their decisions have won them praise or criticism, have always remained faithful to their own beliefs. So my question is: He that sent? Well, a it says, as a rule, no member of the royal British royal family is officially allowed to authorize a biography. Doesn't mean they're not unofficially allowed to. Right. And b, um, accompanying them on hundreds of engagements, in an all in an effort to create an intimate and accurate portrait. So did they have these two? With them, with the intention of them writing something like this? That's what I don't understand. I mean, perhaps,
0: and that would be the least authentic thing they could have done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's acting if that's what they were there for. So the book basically starts out saying they can't officially endorse it,
1: but they had these people on press stores with them. Uh, with the intention of them eventually writing a book and i guess that's maybe a thing people do uh i i don't know how biographies are written and when they're officially endorsed or not i feel like usually people kind of don't really like you know give them much credit but like yeah so the the beginning of the book i
0: thought was um the best part was hearing more about harry Meghan's courtship which yeah, and while you wouldn't know, again, this is why I think that Megan really was one of his direct sources, because a lot of the details, he, where, where else would she, they have gotten this information? Like, what, her going shoe shopping, and that was her mission, the first, like, first paragraph. It's not like she would have told her friends, I'm on a mission to go get shoes. Like, that's <laughs> the uneventful information to share. And so that would, I feel like, have to be some silly thing that she wanted to put in there to make it look like, oh, I'm not here to find a husband. Oh, I'm not here to land for Terry." It's just there are a lot of details that show that she, she or he or both of them, I feel like divulged a lot of stuff that only they would have known. There are a lot of details like that.
1: Right, and then, but that's why this book is a giant paradox. Like, it's a like, the, the this is a theme I kept finding, the first being the uh, visage of it being unauthorized, but it also kind of being authorized in the obvious nature of the level of detail that nobody could be comfortable publishing and nobody would make up out of thin air unless he had access to them. And then the paradox of trying to make them seem like these uh, humble humanitarians paired with detailing their weekends with the Cloonies and Elton John and, like, with Lorraine Schwartz.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: and so there's just like there yeah there's several of them but um yeah so I think that when I first started reading it I was like oh cute fun like he has some details but as the book went on I started to get more irritated with um the obvious like twist in Megan's favor um especially with how badly they threw Kate under the bus and it's and I think the overall theme too of I don't know it, it's it seems like the, the exact people in the book saying they're not are the exact type of people that would have somebody write this and not claim to be involved
0: you know what I, does that make sense yes but in, in addition to throwing kate under the bus i feel like an overarching theme of the book was kind of throwing harry under the bus i feel like he every every turn where it's like megan did this the spin was oh it was actually harry who got mad at the dress oh it was actually harry who wanted to redesign her engagement ring. Oh, it was Harry that had a problem with his brother. It, it's always a spin putting Harry, not really in a negative light, but making him the scapegoat. And at like almost every situation, I noticed that overarching theme.
1: So it almost is like for the things that definitely happen that they can't deny or apologize, she probably wanted to make it clear even if exaggerated Harry's involvement, because to be fair, the press never blamed Harry. Right. right. Okay. I'm going to go through my notes. I just like, I don't even know how to organize my thoughts. Cause like I wrote at the beginning, like some of my frustration with like the, with their exit, with the interpersonal disconnects, with the media leaks, with the, you know, Cambridge is not really caring with the queen and Charles not really responding to their requests. All of these things about the blockages they experienced with the family and their lack of interest in supporting them, when according to the New York Times, they represented 83% of Google searches, predominant levels of interest, the equity these two brought to the royal family, the modern nature, like even when we talked about like when they got married, I was like, this is the royal family's chance to be everything people say they're not, to have a woman of color, to have a divorced woman, to have a, a an American, to have a like, they 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 lucked out so much, in my opinion, having a poised, well-spoken, media-trained woman who is under the radar enough in fame to not be flashy in Hollywood, but on the radar enough to be comfortable in a public life. All of that and what she's bringing to the table is, like, almost unbelievable for what is portrayed as a chance setup. And I'm kind of like, I can't believe the royal family dropped the ball on their ticket to what would have made off-time. people love them do you have an opinion on like just the overall theme of how nobody cared about them
0: i mean i think early on william maybe established that he wasn't sure about her and i feel like maybe that i mean this is a total guess but maybe that theme carried throughout the rest of the family and they were sort of hoping it would pass like maybe it would end before the wedding or I don't, I don't know. I'm sort of thinking the reason they didn't come out right away and say something about stuff against Megan was maybe they were thinking, well, it may not be like a lifelong, like this Mm. may short lived. Um, And maybe that's what they were hoping. (laughs) So uh, that's sort of my guess. And that, I mean, one negative opinion can depending on who you're talking to and a level of influence you have in your family can kind of poison everybody else's opinion of somebody, even if they haven't met them yet. So I feel like that could also have something to do with it.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's one of the things he says when he starts is that Meg, it's like you're friends with them. He says that she said on her last day, it didn't have to be this way.
0: I know. So dramatic. (laughs) So dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's um like
1: a way to say like you, like I was wronged and I'm being yeah. forced out and um I don't know. I think I, that like the. So well, OK, some early observations I had in the first chapters, not only that he was like spoke to her on the last day and he's clearly fond of them and knows them well. He talks about incessantly how Harry's always wanted freedom, how yeah. this was largely driven by Harry. I was excited how early on he confirmed the tension with William. Like we knew it was possible, but when you and I first podcasted, we were like, "I don't know." Like they're brothers. Their mom. Like their mom passed. They've been through so much together. There's no way. But like the fact that the press was dead on about that rift and the exact timing of it was kind of crazy to me. Um, and then a few like tidbits I really liked was that Harry reads the Daily Mail comments. Uh,
0: That Megan. Before, I think I heard that somewhere else that he has like he's like in not into but or he doesn't enjoy it but he does follow what people are saying about him. I've read that somewhere else. Well,
1: now that we know his Instagram handle was at (laughs) Spiky (sighs) Mouse.
0: Oh, that's one thing I wanted to cover was the Instagram of it all. Mhm. How she was, I mean, going back and looking at the kinds of things she did talk about and post while they were dating during their courtship, it was very obvious what she was doing. Um, uh, that wasn't really something I paid attention to at the beginning, but, um, in the book, it talks, about, it reminded me of the H and M necklace. She wore, she was constantly posting like kind of teaser images on her Instagram. Um, I don't know. It, and then she says she can't have it both ways when she's like trying to be demure and smile at the camera. And then they're like, you can't do that either. But I mean, she's bringing attention to herself by like wearing the necklace and like, I don't, I don't <laughs> I, have, I, have, right. I have a strong opinion about that in particular.
1: So it's cute in the context of a normal couple and like a semi secret relationship or even a celebrity couple. This isn't a normal relationship and yeah, so many of the posts were so coy, but she, again, she wasn't famous enough for anybody to pick up on it. Yeah, And it's all, in, in retrospect, it's clear. But yeah, the spooning bananas, the like, you know, specific captions, like it was cute. And hearing he's, yeah, at Spiky Mouse, hearing that he per, he's particularly fond of the ghost emoji, which I don't totally understand. So during, um, we'll just skip around to different parts because you guys Sorry. can already know the <laughs> narrative. So when she... Well, okay, it was interesting because he brought up during Megan's pregnancy like three times that her engagement rings didn't fit her when she was pregnant because she was swollen. And I thought he was leading up to be like, so Harry took the rings <laughs> and got them reset while she didn't have access to them. But no, it, that didn't end up mattering. He they, did, she, he did it months after she had the baby. And yeah, so Harry got Megan like a, like a push present of a new band, but then also reset her engagement ring on a, is it a gold band with like, Pave like a really thin pave yeah. band. I preferred it just the gold.
0: I just thought it looked cleaner that way. It made the big diamonds at the top pop. <laughs> so I wouldn't have liked that update personally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it is very modern. Like it's bit, like a thin band is bit, like very in right now. I can see her wanting that change and hint dropping in the concept of like, hey. It's really sweet that you got me this ethical, you know, uh, Botswana diamond with your mother's two diamonds on either side of it. But the band's like a little too thick. Like that's, it's, it's like an, it's a freaking piece of history. Like that ring matters.
0: Conflict free diamond. Conflict free. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, I, I loved the ring before. So I was a little disappointed when I saw Like that would be my, obviously my dream engagement ring, but I don't know. The, after you,
1: so you told me that kind of early on and then I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing down what I think are like the biggest clues that Megan is writing this. And I think the the ring one is huge. I think that um, he said, many people thought Megan left her mother alone at the wedding, but Megan made sure She was next to a person, like one of their longtime family friends, blah, blah, blah. And it was stuff like that where he was addressing such specific tabloid fodder that somebody, like people like you and I would have paid attention to because of the broadcast. It did look like Dory was alone. And I did. I was kind of like, Jesus, does she have anybody for this highly stressful situation? And um, just the wording of like, many people thought this, but Megan actually did the perfect thing. Uh, It was just... It was like this is such an opportunity to not debunk the big stories necessarily, but those tiny misunderstood
0: details. Well, they're trying to debunk everything. She's trying to totally change the narrative of what was seen throughout her time in the royal family.
1: I also wrote down the the defense of the baby shower it was hilarious because like it was luxurious and lavish, and it was this focal point. But he was like. Megan made sure to use, what was it called? It was this like a flower company where the next day the flowers are reused. He gave me like a full 60 second TV spot, boilerplate pitch of this flower company to make sure I knew Megan
0: recycled the lavish flowers. And I was like, I don't care. I do have one thing to say. Most people's friends throw the baby shower. So it's not like she was paying for it herself. It's not like she planned it necessarily. I mean, most most of my friends that have had baby showers that I've been a part of, we throw it with her not having any involvement. So that's my only defense of the baby shower situation is that she might not have had any, anything to do with it other than trying to incorporate that little charitable giving flowers later. The baby shower never
1: bothered me. Uh, And I didn't really understand the hype outside of like, it kind of being a, like a, looking like a ho- like I get, they don't want to look like they go to flashy Hollywood functions, but what I don't get is, um, he made that seem like a huge turning point. He specifically said after that baby shower,
0: the people who defended her felt disappointed. I remember that. Yeah. Why? Like she'd let them down. Like it was her fault, that her friends threw her a lavish party. Right. And I just I guess that that
1: that maybe that's the American sensibility in me that Megan also has. I'm just like, who cares? Like, it's yeah. just a. The, she was already famous and therefore her friends are famous. It's not like these are it was Beyonce and her new friends. It was like Serena, Jessica Mulroney, cast of Suits and uh, maybe Amal Clooney was a new friend. I don't know. Gail um, was, oh, Gail King was there.
0: She, yeah, she was like a newer person there, but everybody else was old school part of her life.
1: And I think the other piece, too, is like, I just do not fault somebody that's a member of the royal family or a pending mem- member of the royal family to have certain expensive, lavish, luxurious habits, parties, whatever, even from the, the standpoint of having reliable security and staff that are used to working with high profile people.
0: Right. It's the same hotel is expensive, but they probably got it for free. Right. But it's the same people who complain about that that are complaining about them leaving the royal family. Like, you can't have it both ways. Do either get mad at them for wanting to use the funds for stuff, which she obviously didn't. Her baby shower was not paid for by her. I highly doubt it. Serena Williams is worth so much money, and she Mm -hmm. was one of those. I bet she pulled out all the stops. Um, And it's the same people criticizing that that are, like, mad that they left and are now making their own money. It's sort of like, can't have it both ways. Right. <laughs> like right. If you, if you hated it so much they were on the taxpayer's dollar, you should be very happy that they're not there anymore.
1: Exactly. So. I know. That's what I know. The whole thing's so contradictory. Um a couple other things that I thought was really <laughs> that was were fun tidbits um that like even him t- the way he talked about her in college, I was like, "Oh my god, she would have driven me crazy." She sounds like, you know, like a I don't know. She's just the, from the way he described her just uh, like bachelorette party planning in Hydra to her being recruitment chair of Kappa Gappa Gamma. And he said things like when everyone else was partying, she was babysitting for professors. I'm like.
0: Okay. Brown nose.
1: <laughs> That That's the stuff that if I were Megan, I'd be like cut cutting room floor.
0: Okay. I did write to, I wrote down a couple of notes myself because I didn't want to forget stuff. One Please. of the things stuck out to me that made me think Megan wrote it was Harry was impressed with her packing skills. Who <laughs> why is that important to anyone? <laughs> like what kind of a tippin is that? I don't remember that. Yes, it's when they were in Africa, she'd only packed a backpack, a large one. Y'all have listened to this four times. <laughs> I had to get every I had to get every little bit of information. And it was like, Harry was, she's always been a really great packer. Harry's really impressed with her packing skills. And it's like, (laughs) not a detail anyone cares about. And you know Megan slipped that in. (laughs) Harry wouldn't drop that. He wouldn't be like, oh, by the way, I really, really think she's a great job. (laughs) You're right. That is so dumb. (laughs) It's the dumbest line in the book. Oh, I wish
1: I had picked out the dumbest line in the book. Maybe I have it somewhere, but agree. That's insane. She sounds like precocious, busybody, like loves a planner, loves to be organized. She's like all in everybody's grill. Her striving for perfection is res- like, I, you know, you, you respect it and you get it, but it's a little nauseating. And it's funny because the backing, the background about her, you know, childhood and her in school and how precocious she was and how smart and how she didn't party. She just did yoga. Like, it kind of painted a picture of a very unrealistic woman an that unlikable. an unlikable woman that is theoretically doing all the right things, but is so inauthentic in execution because nobody does all the right things. <laughs> right. <Agreed. laughs> um, I thought it was interesting. They brought it and I know this has been said before, but uh, I mean, I, yeah, we'll get to the father piece, but the, the part about, the way she spoke about her father in childhood, it's like, it's a different man. And I, it's so sweet to hear stories. Like he took a set of dolls and like reassembled them to look like they're mixed family. So she'd feel like she looked like, you know, the toys she was playing with. And she felt like she had a greater understanding of her identity. I'm like, it's so sweet. And that's so incredible. And it's just, and then you get to the part about the wedding and he, it's, it defies all logic. And he just seems like such a horrible father an opportunist, um, that it was interesting hearing the, I don't know, how much they seemed to, how fond she was of him in her childhood.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, No, they, at one point, were talking about how she was doing uh, all of these plays and acting in high school, and when she was little, and he was the proud father in the, the, is it stands? That can't be right. In the audience, um, cheering her on, and that was really sweet. But yeah, the second the second um, Megan and Harry are in the spotlight together, it seems like the entire familial relationship shifts. And it's not like she was ever close with Samantha. And one point in the book that I really found interesting and like a total uh, light on moment, light bulb moment for me was didn't you notice that there was only one photo of Samantha and Megan ever distributed anywhere. They only ever took one photo together. There's only evidence of one photo. So they were never close. Like that's, that's as bad as much evidence as I need to know that they were estranged for a very long time. And like, they weren't close when they were growing up. They even mentioned how the only reason they had that photo together is because her father asked her to fly out for her graduation. That was like one of a handful of times they ever spent together.
1: Yeah. And and what, they have a 20 year age difference. Yeah. Like nothing in common, just one parent in common. I mean, I cannot imagine the frustration I would feel if the press was putting so much stock in what somebody I barely knew was saying about me. And beyond that, it's like, I think Samantha is a literal monster. All, All of Thomas's family. I think it, even if i was broke i just like i don't want that energy in the world like i just would never talk shit about somebody in that way and it, for my own gain like i just i don't understand that like chemistry of a human but i i'm not naive enough to think it doesn't exist but i will say though it's like it does track in terms of you know your dad has an, another family that he maybe spends more time with when you're already 20 years old and then this new kid gets all the attention. And then she also grows up and is like perfect. Obviously, Beautiful, the, famous. Yeah. the resentment runs deeper than the relationship. And it was the perfect opportunity for them to take it out because they clearly, they didn't like, it's not that they didn't like Megan. I feel like for all the theories reasons they said, I think they didn't like her just because of the fundamental family dynamic.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I just, that, that whole thing, that whole situation like i can't i think we've we've already talked about this in a past podcast we've done but i truly cannot understand how somebody could do that to a family member i don't know and she, what i was going to say before is she is the literal version of an internet troll in real life she is the definition of a troll all she's doing is trying to take Megan down for a profit, make herself feel better. Very sad. And
1: I was thinking about this too, in terms of, so you you get really famous and people like your own flesh and blood talks to the press about you. They need the money, whatever. Not only can you not control what they say in the press spreading it, you also can't contact them to tell them to stop because they will give it to the press. So there's a weird immunity there where they knew they could say and do anything. And she wasn't going to respond.
0: Right. Like when her dad, uh, this was heartbreaking. When her dad was like, we can, we can figure this out. We'll get everything settled. And she's like, what can I do? She reached out and she was like, what can I do to fix this? And he was like, we should do a photo shoot. And she's just like, you've totally missed the point. The whole, you missed the whole point.
1: Right, because where it started to unravel, I mean, it, it. I mean, not started, but like where it really went bad was the moment before the wedding when he got paid by that paparazzo to essentially Im- improve his image, like Thomas's image. And he did the fo- staged the photo of him at the internet cafe, looking at details about the wedding or whatever. Uh, there was a few different photos that kind of just made him seem like a doting father in an effort to change him, his image, because to be fair, he was being stalked by the paparazzi who were presenting him as this, like, uh, poor, yeah. slobby rec- recluse. And he didn't want to get on the world stage seeming like a deadbeat dad. And I think that he, it's like, it's so crazy because I get, in a weird way, the logic of him doing that. And it backfired in such a way that it was never the same And from that moment of him prioritizing his image over Megan's well-being, it then became a pattern that didn't exist before. And I still don't really understand what the 180 was on his part and why he became unresponsive to her during the wedding week, why he wasn't returning texts or calls. Like something must, the way that it was talked about in the book and the way it's been talked about everywhere is like, she did everything she could. They sent him protection officers. They set him up with everything he could ever need, but he wasn't responding, didn't care, then had a heart attack. And it's like, no, there's something tangibly different. She talked about him so highly during the engagement interview. He didn't sell out until that very last minute. Like what happened? Samantha.
0: Do you think he could get, she could get in his head enough? Yes. And and I think it's, I feel like it said that in the book or someone said that. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. And that she was the driving force behind him taking that deal. And she got a cut of it. I think I remember reading that or hearing that in the audiobook. Mm. Uh, like because she was the driving force of the deal. She got like 10% of whatever he made off of that paparazzo shoot thing. I think she was the driving force behind all of that. And the sad thing is like, she tried to repair it. Megan tried to repair it several times. She called him, she wrote him a letter. He sold her out published those letters. Like he had every opportunity to just and we've talked about this before too, just just shut up, not say anything else. If he had just stayed quiet long enough, I think eventually they would have made contact with him, but he didn't he couldn't he couldn't wait. Right. He just kept talking. And I think the book was funny.
1: I always felt badly about this. And I think the book expanded my empathy even more because At the end of the day, it's her father and she, the way she's spoken about him historically, like it does seem like, obviously you care for your own parent um, and they weren't completely estranged before. And I just think about like, yeah, the biggest moment on the biggest day and you almost have this hierarchy of needs. And I think we all can understand that no matter how like flashy or exciting something is, when somebody in your immediate life that you love, like something is going on, nothing else matters. Right. And to be forced to compartmentalize something that's like the very fiber of your being that's hurting you so deeply to have to be on in this circumstance when like literally you don't need anything but like you, just to show up.
0: <laughs> yeah, all you <laughs> gotta do. To this day, gotta-
1: like it, it gives me. I just feel. I really, really do feel for her, and I think that. I I think that your people are monstrous if they do not feel horrible that that week leading up or the two weeks leading up. She was dealing with that and beyond that it became to the point of worrying about his health and she didn't he wasn't even responding to her I'm
0: just like I can't I'm still I don't know I don't know if I believe that he was ever sick the heart attack yeah like he
1: paid off a Mexican hospital to say that
0: yeah
1: oh I never thought about that <laughs>
3: I mean
1: <laughs> I'm it's so not rude. that far fetched I feel like he would I know. You're, yeah. Oh my God. You're, you're so right. What, am, what was I thinking?
0: Well, no, at, at that point he's dug himself so far into the, the dirt with this. Like he can't, he couldn't have shown up at the wedding at that point without the entire wedding being focused on him and talking shit about him because I mean, he looks like a terrible father at this point. I think anyone would say that. Um, So yeah, he needed to get out out of it. it. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I wrote down that it frustrated me that he would gloss over huge, huge things like her first marriage, but then take five minutes being like, and then she got chocolate and caramel highlights that gave her hair a rich and healthy and reflective look. It's like, why are you taking so much time to explain her balayage? And just being like, and she was married. (laughs) Oh my god! The one thing I did like, though, even though I was frustrated by the volume of his food descriptions, I wish I had written some down so the people could understand. Like it was there there was so much describing of small like canapé and like past app style foods. And like the I liked hearing about the restaurants and locations they go to, though. I thought that was kind of interesting. And clearly like Soho House, Soho Farmhouse, Soho House London is like a big part of their story.
0: Totally. And another thing that I found interesting was when he was talking about the food that they actually made. Like the pasta with zucchini and lots of parmesan. <laughs> Again, who cares about these details? <laughs> lots of parmesan. Make sure to say that I like these. Like let's put that in there. All right. Well, and people who read the
1: actual book, Meredith and I, I think both listened to the audiobook, right? Yeah. Apparently the run on sentences are awful and there's so many typos. And it just kind of seems like this one to press like Rachel Hollis divorce fast, like just like running to get this book out. And I kind of wonder if some of those oversights or why, because it's like it's a
0: Harper Collins book. Absolutely. I think so. And apparently there's another book coming out kind of from a different standpoint. I think it's from another royal biographer that's more on the uh, conservative side of things. And I think that's coming out soon. So, I would guess that they were trying to beat them to the punch to get it out as soon as possible. Yes.
1: And I think too like Okay, so do you want to say I had a deeper understanding of Harry's disdain for the media, learning more about the their role in his, in the military? I and I respect the hell out of his military career. Like he was so serious about it. Kind of got taken from him. It was another example of him wanting to him being presented to want to do the noble thing and his title status fame getting in his way against his will.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, he, he wanted to go back. Couldn't go because of, there was like a threat and then they did the embargo and then he could go and then he had to come back. And then there was that brief mention of Williams career. He was doing it for like seven years though. I wouldn't say that was just like a blip, you know, it was sort of, acting like he didn't do much. <laughs> a search and rescue pilot. Yeah, for seven years. He like was that? very devoted. Yeah, so I don't know. That sort of seemed like throwing him under the bus a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I wrote
1: down Harry and William going out to get drinks. Harry fell into a bush like Countess Luanne.
0: Um <laughs> Didn't they say he got drunk and fell in a bush outside yes. a barn? But then the protection officer like got in front of somebody with a camera.
1: I love details like that. Yeah.
0: Well, what's so ironic about that statement is later they're like, William never really went out to bars. He never really saw the like he and Kate never really did that. They sort of paint them as these like really boring, stiff, I don't know, not fun people. Um no. but it's it's contradictory what he says earlier when they used to get drunk and party together. So
1: Right. They clearly both had their fun times. Harry gotten more
0: trouble. Yeah. I feel like I looked this up a long time ago, but I mean, you can look on the internet and see photos of Kate Middleton getting in and out of cabs and she looks hammered. <laughs> so, <laughs> like when she was in college, it's hilarious. She is so yeah, bleary eyed. Right? Yes.
1: Yes. I love a bleary eyed Royal in the back of an English cab. <laughs>
0: yeah. <it's> so good. That's
1: <laughs> such good content. I was trying to figure out the tension when, yeah, William and Harry and Charles kind of things get in the mix. This is chapter six. Um, it sounded to me like Harry's first, So, so basically it was speculated they were dating in the same statement where he confirmed they were dating. It was also Harry responding to the press's the press's racist remarks about Meghan. Is that right?
0: Yes. I mean, he didn't actually say they were dating. His announcement against the racism attacking her was the confirmation that he was trying to protect her. He never was like, we're dating. It was like, this is unacceptable. And the fact mm-hmm. that he not have even said that was proof enough that he was dating her. Because otherwise they wouldn't have bothered, I don't think. So what
1: confused me about that is or or what I didn't write down well enough is that I I understand that Charles didn't want him to release that
0: statement because Charles had some, what's that? That weekend, because Charles had his big, like he had a, like a meeting abroad with another very important leaderhead somewhere that was supposed to be in the news coverage, press coverage, but it got totally wiped out by this statement. And so apparently the whole family was disappointed in that. So, and remind me the
1: urgency of Harry putting that statement out that weekend.
0: There wasn't really, it just came to a head. I don't remember him saying anything in particular that was like, this is enough. It's like he had a meeting specifically with the Kensington Palace press guy, Zach or something, Jason. (laughs) Like it (laughs) was some some silly name. Um, And it was like an uncomfortable chat, but I don't feel like there was one particular thing that led to that like it was just like a culmination of them attacking doria them attacking megan oh
1: i think it was doria okay so that that yes now i remember so yeah it had come to a head and like we've talked about before on the podcast like the headlines at first they were racist they were awful i feel like people use more recent headlines to be like you know they're accusing they're associating her eating avocados with human you know human rights issues not because of her race da, 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 da. and hey there's implicit biases that I think we have to be mindful of but it wasn't even implied it was explicit at the beginning and the headlines like uh Megan's the neighborhood she grew up in like straight out of Compton oh, yeah about her, about her mother's hair it's it's so inappropriate it's disgustingly racist and i and i can imma- i mean i can imagine how disgusted you would be as her partner, as you should be as a human being in general. But Mm -hmm. to me, that's a thing where I, that's happening to somebody I love. And I, and I'm telling my parents, my family, I'm like, you guys see this? Like, this is wrong. This is awful. This isn't, oh, Megan, you know, had a lavish baby shower or whatever. This is like hateful, racist remarks. And our silence is deafening on it. And they weren't willing to respond. I get that. And when it, got to the point right before Harry made the speech that eclipsed Charles's tour or whatever meeting they had they were following Doria around so badly that she, and she was going to meet with hospice patients and these patients were high risk and in, in gravely ill she was no longer able to go to work and her patients are entirely dependent on her and if I were Megan too if I were Harry too you like mess with me all you want. And this is how I feel like they got more aggressive after Archie was born. Cause I see this happening too with myself. It's like mess with me all you want, but like mess with my parents, my siblings, my kids, I'd probably lose, I'd lose my mind and I would go to, go to bat in ways I hadn't before.
0: Right. And I don't think parents I mean, in the book, they call it impulsive and all of that, but it was, this was happening over a matter of months or weeks, I guess. And he had just had enough because knowing in his family was helping him make something happen. So he finally went. But unfortunately, I mean, I guess he got approval, but Charles didn't know he was going to make the announcement until 20 minutes before it happened. It's kind of like the announcement they made in March. Mm-hmm that was February, January, <laughs> whatever month that was this year. Every every month is meshing together. For
1: me. <laughs> and at the very end, Omid Scoby the author finally says, they are a bit impulsive. And I was like yeah. his first dig of any kind. Yeah. Was in the last chapter. Um okay, so that I think Harry okay, so Harry eclipsing Charles's tour and a kind of by royal standards who never complain, never explain uh, directly addressing rumors surrounding someone who's, th- you know, just his girlfriend. Right. Obviously it was early. started. It was, What's that?
0: it was early. It wasn't, yes. even, it, it wasn't even until a year after that, but like over a year after that, they got engaged. So it was like only a couple months into their relationship.
1: Right. And I think it's like, I understand a little bit of both on the one hand. I don't, I don't understand the royal family not denouncing racist remarks of the the royal rota, like people in their own camp. It's, it's like we're in a world now where never complain, never explain needs to be revisited because yeah, I think their priority should be protecting their own. And when it's legitimately harmful messaging, not only to the person that they should care about, but also harmful representation that's negatively impacts the world, like, and anybody who i you know identifies with megan it's just like it's so awful and i get harry being like disgusted that they're more worried about charles's tour or more worried about their you know posture of never wow. explaining right. but i also get the family they've they're like we can't like overhaul our mode of operation for every girlfriend you have you know what i mean like right. i kind of get that they can't uh, step out of bounds or do anything un- different if um it's not like a person in the family.
0: Right, and maybe they thought it was jumping the gun because it was so early. Like if they were engaged, it might be a different story where they would come out and say something. Um, so I from from what I understand, everyone thought it was moving too fast. They didn't want to get involved right away. Clearly, they didn't want to speak out right away. William told him you're moving too fast. You don't know this girl so, yet. So the two people he really, like the author really
1: talks about who couldn't like, del- it's not just like we were having drinks and he was like, are you guys moving a little fast, man? It was like Prince was William
0: from-
1: and yeah. Skippy oh. both confronted him separately saying like, Do you, like, I think this is moving too fast. Do you know her well enough, blah, blah, blah. Harry responded so poorly to that. To the point where Skippy, one of his closest and oldest friends that he's since reconciled with, was not in, was invited to the ceremony and luncheon, but not the wedding reception. I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, but then they mentioned another friend that was talking shit about Megan, like he was gossiping about her to a group of people, and Harry found out, and apparently he totally cut him off. I don't know which friend that is, but it sounds like it's not one that has since re-entered the fold.: Yeah. So he- He was very defensive of her early on.
1: And what I didn't know, well, I guess what nobody knew is that the author was saying that like, um, the fodder about her within the family, within the staff was so negative and that a high ranking royal was overheard saying, there's something about her I don't trust. They kept talking about how she had a lot of baggage. She was referred to as Harry Showgirl it's it's that th- those are the things that i was like do you guys not get this like jackpot of a woman <laughs> like do you know how who every, pe- like all things considered she was so so poised i don't care what you have to say about her she really didn't let it show and all of our perfect for the role perfect hey guys i wanted to take a brief intermission i believe this is the point where we uh, ended on the patreon episode in lieu of normal ads this week I just want this episode to be featuring some of the Black-owned businesses you guys submitted. First, we have Flick of the Whisk Cakes. Flick of the Whisk is a fantastic food pun. Uh, This listener bought cupcakes for her sister's bachelorette party. They were named one of the best wedding cakes in the Denver metro area. They began in February 2019... Uh, when the owner's interior design job was experiencing a slow period, baking was the winner of hobbies. She wouldn't mind turning into a business and it grew in a way she never expected. She's completely self-taught. She's been cooking and baking since she was young, watching her mom first. Uh, and at the constant request of her dad, starting with a simple recipe, chocolate chip cookies from the back of the Hershey's bag that evolved to helping my mom make her famous pound cake. Um, and I don't know. Sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I always get lost in these about pages. Anyway. Um, I love stories like this where people are self-made, self-taught. They're great examples of not needing permission or an outside third-party excuse to do something you love and to monetize something you love. And I think this is really, really cool. Flick of the Whisk Gazette is Denver-based. You can visit them at flickofthewisk, W-H-I-S-K, cakes.com for more. And also these all of these links will be in the episode notes. Next, we have Free Maiden. The owner's name is Roshana, and she... Uh, started free Ma- free maiden in order to create handmade adornment that was unique and timeless. She makes them with different metals and vintage and found objects and draws inspiration from nature, indigenous art, primitive form, and the countless women for whom she creates. She said, "I carry the belief that beauty is found in both traditional and modern offerings, and free maiden takes great pride in combining the two. Each free maiden piece is designed to complement the stylish woman while accepting her inner and outer, in her inner and outer beauty." In the name free maiden. Um, is derived from the moniker used by her mother, Robbins, since she was a little girl. She's the mother of three amazing women. She's always referred to as her fair maidens. She explicitly directed her fair maidens to always make a statement encouraging her daughters to develop confidence in their own sense of style. Oh my God, I love that. Anyway, go check out the website freemaiden.com. They're really beautiful, unique, well-made pieces. She talks on the website about how jewelry is should tell a story about the person who's wearing it. I love that. That's really cool. I need to like up my jewelry game, you guys. I need to buy from some of these places. I think buying yourself jewelry is like the ultimate power move, you know? Like why wait for somebody and hope that they get you what you want and just like buy it yourself, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, Next we have junebabyseattle.com. Southern cuisine has always had, and the person who submitted this said, Southern cuisine has always had and continues to have stereotypical connotations. Seen through the eyes of most Americans as inferior and sophisticated and unhealthy, Southern food reflects hard times and resourcefulness and is nothing short of beautiful. It is a cuisine to be respected and celebrated. I could not agree more. Uh, The website on June Babies about page says, Southern food's humble beginnings embarked when West Africans were taken from their home and were forced across the Middle Passage to North America. The term soul food originated during American slavery to not only describe a type of cuisine, but also a period of time of oppression and overcoming hardships. It is traditionally cooked and eaten by African-Americans of the southern United States and merges influences from West Africa, Western Europe and North America. As a result, America's culinary history was born, was built on corn, rice, peas and the hog. Many of the ingredients associated with southern food. I love this. I think the origins of southern food, of soul food are really important to understand. So many culinary traditions, you know, start out from ancestors, you know, as a function of like availability, environment and circumstances, working with what they have. And I think it's so interesting to study how that function flows into tradition and meaning. And I think people almost miss people act like at times food choice is like uh, frivolous or superficial. It's important to recognize the cultural origins of what gives food such meaning. I don't know. I could go off. But, I, anyways, I just think it's a really good, important, and interesting uh, thing to consider. It's a food for thought, if you will. Anyway, to learn more, go to JuneBabySeattle.com. Next one is Southern Elegance. And the person who nominated this said, well, This might be from the About page. At Southern Elegance, we work to remind everyone of our shared history and cultural experiences. Like many others, time spent with family and the joys we find in the simple things are our touchstones. With this in mind, we lovingly craft each scent and city combination to elicit a fond memory, to whisk you to a place of pure joy. Um, the founder left her career as a math teacher and started a premium candle company. She's also a military spouse. That's part of her success story. A military wife opened a shop and needed product. It was her, I, it says it was her first customer, but I wonder if this person was saying I was her first customer. That's awesome. Oh, this is so cool. Each candle tells a story and is purposefully named after a southern city, carefully hand-poured and infused with luscious fragrances such as sage and and sweetgrass and honeysuckle and jasmine. And they have holiday ones too, but you in a festive mood. And I love this because the founder, Deshaun Russell, is a, um, a North Carolinian, if you will, and that's where my parents live. The About page just talks about, you know, remembering, you know, drinking a cold glass of sweet tea as a child and watching the magnolia tree sway in the wind, and I got Misty reading it. I even remember all of those things. This is why I can't listen to the song Seven off of Folklore. Anyway, I digress. Go to secandleco.com to check it out. I love that story. Uh, all right. Let's do one more. Um, the next one is Hi-Fi Cookies. This person said it's a cookie-based bakery based in East Nashville. They ship nationwide and they open their store in June and they are awesome, fun music-themed names of cookies and they sell a mixtape where you can order a preset selection of cookies. This is a hard time to open a business. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Uh, The website says it's a modern cookie company based in Nashville and born out of love of music. Our inspiration comes from our favorite childhood classics like Fruity Pebbles, Cosmic Brownies, and Chocolate Chip Cookies. Just like a hook to a great song, our cookies stick with you after they're gone. Sean Newsom has been working in the restaurant industry since he had in college and he inherited a love for baking from his mother and grandmother. Oh my gosh, these look so good and are so cute. (laughs) The mixtapes are called like Marvin, Dolly, Patsy, Bowie, Dylan, Mint Condition, Debbie, Dottie, Johnny, and June. This is so cute. Anyway, sorry. Now I'm hungry. Uh, but don't forget they ship nationwide. I uh, love this. So go to HiFi Cookies.com for more. And just to remind you, all of these links will be in the episode notes. Thanks to you guys for submitting these. And I will continue to go through them. Now on to part two. And that she still wasn't good enough. And I think that's kind of where people are like, how big of a role does being American play? How big of a role does race play? It's like the when people are like, there's just something about her I don't like and you have trouble placing it because she's smart and she's charismatic and she knows how to work people. And I imagine for the first time in her life, she wasn't able to win people over. And like, I can't imagine how frustrating that would be as a person who like only gets value from being able to win people over.
0: Well, what I was going to say was, it's sort of not, not to put Harry in like the childish bucket, but it's sort of like telling a kid, you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't have this, this is a bad idea. I was an angsty teenager. I didn't listen to anything my parents said. If they were like, okay, like do that, like test it out. I mean, dabble in it and then I might lose interest. But if they tell me this is a bad idea, you shouldn't do this. She's not right for you. I will dig into it more. And so maybe it's this feeling that he feels like he's being controlled and that's why he was so up in arms about it and wanting to dig in and be like, no, you're wrong. I'm right about this. I know who she is. He's pro- He's trying to prove a point that he's not making the wrong decision for his own life. I don't know that's all. <laughs> I, I totally
1: agree. And it's one of those things too, as a youngest child, I kind of understand the plight of like, It doesn't matter like you could be a prince to everybody else. You could be have the ability to impress anybody by default. You could have all the power in the world. But if you're somebody else's little brother, you're somebody else's son, grandson, whatever, you kind of come with this default um, mode of operation within your family where he probably isn't taken very seriously and he probably is impulsive and he probably has dated so many women. And when he finally was crying wolf, like, no, I'm serious this time. They were all like, sure, sure. And they were so dismissive, but I really do think they're very in love. And I do think she's charming as hell and beautiful. And I'm sure he was like, Oh my God, my mind is blown. This is one of the only women that could actually handle this. And they were dismissing him. I can, I can understand the fundamental rage. In addition to what you're saying of, uh, when you would intervene with an adult, an autonomous adult that with their decisions, the only person that's going to get rejected is you, not the person you want them leaving.
0: Right. There's, I
1: mean, there's no way to win in that situation. No. So they, so they talk about that. So it's, what's interesting is that, yes, Megan is the source of William and Harry's tension, right? Yeah. And I know that's speculated and I probably would have pushed back being like, you know, there's a lot more going on there. There's brothers. And even though it's a lot of ancillary byproducts that don't have directly to do with her behavior, I think it's fair to say the divide is, (laughs) Bless <laughs> for a fact, Megan. And they specifically say Kate did very little to alleviate this divide.
0: Right. I mean, there's a lot about Kate in there. Like, and I mean, it's stuff that we saw too. Like at the very last engagement, no interaction. <laughs> Megan tried to smile at her and say hello, act for the cameras at least. And Kate did not even acknowledge her in any angle of any photo or video that I watched no acknowledgement.
1: That was such a weird thing for me to see because it's usually like polish first.
0: Like, right. Well, it's, it's just human decency. And what's that word? Um, respect. Yeah. Being considerate. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like acknowledging somebody else in a room is there just being like, Hey, I mean, how hard is that? How hard is that? And it just like, made every rumor that much more insane. Like it would have been so easy for both of them to pretend like everything was fine. It's really easy to do. Right. Oh, I, completely. I it's so easy to fake it. You
1: and can that, totally and, fake it. And oh. though that small interaction t- like sh- told me what I needed to know. Right. And it's, yeah, but, oh, I wrote down that I was surprised to go to Whole Foods. That Megan. <laughs> Carrie and Megan shopping at Whole Foods. I'm like, no way.
0: Oh, yeah. So when I was living in London, I lived in Kensington. And it is uh, like the flat I was living in was maybe six blocks from that Whole Foods. And apparently that's where she always used to shop. And it was right by Kensington Flower Corner. And she was there, I guess, a year after I was. I just missed her. (laughs) I could have easily run into her there.
1: You could be um, her most trusted confidant.
0: And I also saw recently that she, somebody released photos of her at Whole Foods when they were in Canada. They hadn't released them because they wanted to give them their privacy, I guess, but they would taken the photos for like later and they were just released, but she was seen shopping at Whole Foods in Victoria when she was living there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So love, she, she and I both love a Whole Foods. That's so interesting. I just like
1: can't, I would just go, I would go white. I would be the Harry's ghost emoji. I would not know what to do (laughs) if I saw her in public. (laughs) Um, Okay. So yeah, they, so they specifically say this divide happens. Kate does little to alleviate it. This is when they first start to throw her under the bus and they specifically say something that I don't think is fair that, but that also might be true. I'm not totally sure, which is that um, Kate will a, she never reached out to teach her the lay of the land, and she also—they also said she was never interested in having a career.
0: Yeah, that offended me. I, I listened to that part. The part about not reaching out, Megan could have also reached out to her, right? since they both lived on the same property. So I also don't want to necessarily say it's all up to Kate to reach out. I mean. Sure, it would have been the nice, friendly thing to do as the person who's established in the royal family already, but she's not obligated to. And if Megan was really desperate for help, she could have reached out and been like, hey, would you mind getting together to chat? I don't know. I, I feel like it's sort of a two-way street with that. But as far as not wanting a career, one, how do they know that? She did work for her family's company, which is a multi-million-dollar company now. So yeah, party far- pieces, part of it. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I think that was a way to be like, Megan, obviously is a feminist and had a career and Kate is just a housewife is sort of the the implication there. And
1: to me, it's like, okay, so we're so convinced that Megan had a hand in this book. If I were Megan, but clearly I'm not, and I don't understand a lot of the decisions they've made. I would explain my side of things. Sure. But I would not make things worse with my family members. Right. I would have made this take this opportunity to like make Kate look good. Like she had three young children. She was postpartum. Understandably, she can't help with the wedding because she had given birth three weeks prior to her third child. Like I think they could have given Kate a little bit more grace, but also it it did set they wanted it to sound like Megan wanted a friendship and Kate didn't reach out and Kate the ball was in Kate's court. They I understand also... that to a degree though, because like I guess to me, Kate Middleton is so intimidating and untouchable. I would wait for her to reach out to me. But if I were Megan and I all of a sudden had access to Beyonce Oprah and the gang, I might not really care that much about Kate Middleton.
0: Right, but I do think uh, I'm I'm torn here because I well, I want somebody to reach out to me. You would, you would think that it would be okay if you reached out to them as well. And I guess there was some feeling that she wasn't allowed to or shouldn't. Um, and even in the book, it said something like Kate had told somebody that they just don't have anything in common. Which, if that got back to me, I'd be like, "Bitch!" <laughs> be I like, know. What? That's- That's a rude assumption. Like, get to know me before you say that. And it also said something about, um, said something about getting to know her. Oh, oh, she had that interview after Harry and Meghan got engaged. Somebody asked her a question, asked Kate a question. It was like, I've really enjoyed getting to know her and went through Harry. And it's like they've met twice or something. It was... Like at that point, they hadn't gotten to know each other. And she basically was like, we've gotten to know each other. (laughs) Like she's great. Is basically what the.
1: That shocked me. Honestly, at that point in time in my head, they were thick as thieves. They were the fab four. And in my head, it's like if you're two brothers that are close, even if your wives aren't best friends, I feel like with most people, I can split a bottle of
0: wine with them and like have a laugh. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I I can get along with just about anyone. Yeah. And I feel like Megan probably can too, especially since she's an actress and she's she's maybe not a people pleaser but knows <laughs> knows how to work a room. She knows how to she knows how to talk. Obviously, she's very polished and is able to steer conversations in positive ways. I just feel like it would have it would have worked out had they gotten together more in the initial month but i do think part of that has to do with william again maybe saying don't get involved i have a feeling that kate didn't get involved because william didn't want her to get involved and
1: i do think that like i'm sure you've felt this way with friends that have kids friendships sibling relationships things change when people have kids will had three kids at that point kate is younger than megan but is in a very different life stage their priorities were different. I can see him just not wanting to put, like, breathe life into what he m- might have perceived as a frivolous relationship. But by the time they we were engaged and then married, like, you'd think they'd get on board. right? But Megan, there's there has to be some, ro- like, role on Megan's part about, I don't know. Like, because the, the thought of them just fundamentally rejecting her for, like, obviously, she seems to have a lovely personality and for being like a hollywood actress or for being american god forbid there's racist undertones there it sickens me like into in, my depths to think that people would legitimately not give somebody a chance when they all they have is that inner circle and how fun
0: would it be to live on the same property and have friends but and yeah i guess friends that you know is always going to be there like that because you can't trust anyone else like, you'd think that would be a great opportunity for Kate to add somebody to her circle. I'm sure she has a great group of friends, but like, uh, we can all use a new friend. I love oh making God. friends. Yes. And, it's and- for, for her to meet somebody that isn't going to be talking to outside sources, isn't going to be like spilling her secrets, assuming they're on good terms. Like, I just don't understand the point of starting a non relationship, like, not making an effort. I feel like that was the clearest evidence that things were rocky for everybody was that lack of effort between the two. Yeah. That's the first big news story. And that's why they did the Wimbledon stuff and then the polo match. But apparently they didn't really hang out that day. They were just there at the same time. I'm confused.
1: Well, I know we've talked to before about like your experiences in high school, but like, I can't that. There are no words for how much it would frustrate me to be completely stonewalled, and for somebody to just not like me. Like I get if I did something to you, but to just give me no time of day, not respect me as a woman, not respect my career as a humanitarian, whatever, even just being part of your family. Like that's what I, ref- I like cannot accept about Kate, and th- that's part of the yeah the one sided nature of this book. I'm choosing to believe there's we are, we're missing something. Um, but I mean, who the hell knows? She could be a total drag. We know nothing about her. She barely speaks, but in my head, she like the way her and Williams relationship have been talked about, like they sound funny and fun. They lived together before marriage. Like, I don't know. They seem kind of modern and cool, but I also think she, as Omid Scobie said, has like did sacrifice a lot. Well, I don't think that's grounds for hazing the next person. Um, I like every time I talk to somebody with a new podcast, I just like word vomit. I'm like, don't make all my mistakes. I just can't imagine not being like, here's what I learned to be
0: helpful. Yeah. You yeah. want to be helpful. You just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sad and disappointing if that is true. Well, on Instagram, it was funny
1: to, cause I said this today on Insta kind of to like check the pulse. And I it was, it was interesting. The responses I was getting on my opinion with Kate, cause I was like, uh, even, even though we don't yeah,
0: you call up with something else oh my god
1: i was getting bombarded because that well because i said like i'm really disappointed in how kate is portrayed sitting got bombarded with like how megan's awful i'm like i'm not saying it's true i'm saying the way she's portrayed is disappointing and um also like do they have to be best friends no do all women get along no but I guess I kind of have a innocent until proven guilty perspective on people and want them to be good natured. And I think that I, I I was surprised at how many people told me I was being way too idealistic about their friendship. And they were like, Kate is gonna be like, you know, queen theoretically. She's like got her family, she's doing her own thing, she's sacrificed a lot, like she doesn't need anything from Megan. Why would she be nice to her? And I was like
0: Uh, because she's like human being (laughs) human (laughs) not every not every relationship is advantageous that would be so sad if every relationship our lives were based on was just trying to get something out of the other person and to me it's a sad
1: world to live in to only think somebody will accept you if they can get something out of you and
0: honestly those aren't friends I want right that that seems more social primary to any- than anything else and that's what I keep coming back to
1: is that apologists of Kate of Will of Huey two, the whole gang while there is a place for tradition I do not understand being fundamentally cold and rejecting somebody that would have hugely benefited from your warmth and like I know I may be naive, but I keep coming back to this of like, I'm sure she did some off-putting things, but I just have trouble justifying their lack of interest in supporting her.
0: And well, the interesting thing is, I don't think we're ever going to hear the other side. I mean, we may hear from this next royal biographer their opinion, but we're never going to hear William and Kate's side of the story or the Queen's side of the story because they're underlocking key in terms of what they're allowed to talk about considering he's next or not next in line but will be in line to to the throne after charles um but like again it is it is a he said she said she said she said situation right but do you think that um i feel like people don't
1: emphasize enough that harry is farther from the throne than william's kids And like, why does he have to be held to the same standards, rules, and restrictions as the others?
0: I totally agree, and this is what makes me so mad about it: is why can't he just go off and do whatever he wants? The only reason that he's part of like the royal family right now, or like was before, and couldn't everything is because people loved him, not because he was supposed to do it. Prince Andrew, (laughs) different topic, nightmare human, right? But like. He's, he wasn't not, he's not essential. Harry is not essential to anything that they're doing. So the fact that he wants to have a normal life or, I mean, <laughs> rich celebrity life <laughs> outside should be his, his MO and his prerogative. And if that's what he wants, that's what he wants. It doesn't affect the royal family in any way. Right. He's not, he's not going to be, he's not in line of the throne, at least any realistic sense. Um, His role—he's—he's required to do a lot, but doesn't get a lot out of it. Which I would hate that. And I think we've talked about this before. If I was like not allowed to go anywhere, if I wasn't allowed to voice my opinions, if I wasn't allowed to do this, that, and the other, and I also couldn't benefit from having that title, why would you want to live that way? Like I get—I get what they meant when they said it's better to thrive. And survive. Like I get that. I would want to yeah. that. I want to live in a million million mansion and hang out with Oprah and Beyonce. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? <laughs> 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 well, like, I know, and
1: I think this is such a dumb comparison, but like I think about this often with like if have so many friends in podcasting, they have co hosts. They're able to like laugh about their hate and the bad reviews. They t- everything rolls off their back. Everything looks so different when you have a partner. And I think that all the things Harry already knew, Megan co-signed, confirmed, and encouraged him to go against. And I, and I think that when people blame stuff on her, it's less that she's manipulative, strategic, calculated puppeteering, and more that she supported the gut instincts he's had for a long time, the disdain for the media he's had for a long time, the desire to have more freedom he's had for a long time. And as they outlined in the book heavily, there how much they allegedly care about impact, and we're getting blocked by Charles and Williams philanthropies and not able to do theirs. Like, yeah, it's just like if somebody, if I was like, this is crazy, right? Do you think this is crazy? And somebody's like, oh yeah, no, this is crazy. I'd be like, okay, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) But nobody else gets it until you have a partner.
0: Validating those feelings, like having having all these hopes and dreams and plans for your life and not being able to act on any of those. Right. That would be so sad. That would be a very sad way to live. It's so sad. And I think how rich you are or how, what, what title you have or whatever, having to like, not, not go anywhere, not be able to accomplish the things you want to accomplish, having roadblocks set up each step of the way, like so much red tape. And then at the end of the day, even if you get all the way up there, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be more important than you, whose yes. project will always be more important, whose news will always be more important. That's just not fun. I, I totally understand. And I think the irony is you'd almost,
1: so like people use money and privilege to dismiss the human experience. I think any therapist would tell you, at the, while those have a, a lot to do with like a certain baseline level of satisfaction, they can also be huge contributors to, you know, your negative implications on your mental health and like personal satisfaction with like your accomplishments and what you actually do and like earning things. And like, these things are important and you can say somebody's feelings are invalid because they have money and privilege all day. But we also want people with money and privilege. The only thing they can do, the only thing that matters is what they do with it. But to be, yeah, to to not only be not given the benefit of the doubt because of your position, but have your position also block you from having any meaningful impact to right. make that position worth it is this crazy thing that I didn't really think about until I read this. And I was like, yeah, even though a lot of people are going to say they're blowing smoke, overemphasizing their their desire to be philanthropic, I'd actually argue if I was a person with unlimited means who deeply cared about issues, and I do, but I, I can't do anything monetarily meaningful." And if there was bureaucratic red tape in the way from me, just helping people out,
0: I'd be like, are you kidding? It should be easier.
1: It should be easier. Yeah. And, and I get all of that stuff. And I think when Megan co-signed it, it should be fair
0: as Megan said,
1: it should be fair. Exactly. Style
0: Blogger appearance featuring Ralph Lauren clothes. Um, and so that's how she knew this girl and the girl who works at Ralph Lauren's father is really good friends with Prince Charles. And so that's how the girl at Ralph Lauren and Prince Harry know each other. They grew up going skiing together. And so some Mm. people say it's never been, or even according to him, it's never really been confirmed who set up who or who set them up. Um, But it's rumored to either be Misha Nunu or this Ralph Lauren person for introducing them. Apparently they were introduced by the Ralph Lauren girl first, but like it wasn't date-like. Like it was just like the, oh, the group hang, there. yeah, but it wasn't even, but I don't even think that was part of a setup. I think they met previously, like uh, just somewhere where she was with the ralph Lauren person. I don't know, it's there's a lot of mixed reporting there
1: because <laughs> I always thought the Misha thing was so interesting because, like. Well, a being close friends with her she would understand her connection to prince harry given that beatrice and eugenie were at misha's first wedding right so megan would be very aware of that connection right. and you know the that's that was kind of the joke to me of the off-putting like well is he kind of it all <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh i also thought that her wearing the husband shirt by her was almost like the nod, you know, for Elizabeth Holmesing and clothes mean everything. Right. But who the hell knows?
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Uh, the husband shirt, it was kind of like all of her Instagram teases. It's sort of like, I know what I'm doing.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So we we were kind of in the area. We talked about how William didn't approve specifically. Um, Uh, so like we didn't, I don't know if we mentioned, so when William and Megan first met, it actually went really well. And the, it said, as soon as William opened the double doors to welcome Megan into his home, he said, I was looking forward to meeting the girl who has put that silly grin on my brother's face. Nonetheless, the book later adds that William was telling Harry not to rush his relationship with Markle. And that caused the breakdown of the brother's relationship. And the months after William talked to Harry about the relationship, the two hardly spoke the book reads. And the other thing I thought was interesting, too, is that as a result, like Harry was really close with William's kids um, and like they came to a halt in 2017. Harry spent, spent less time going over to see the children, but the invites from William and Kate were the first to dry up. And it's just like those funny little digs. So, yeah, I, I don't know if we like exaggerated or emphasized enough um, how upset this made Harry. And I just I still don't think this intervention is that crazy Apparently, he just said, don't feel like you need to rush this. Take as much time as you need to get to know this girl. And the last two words, this girl, Harry heard a tone of snobbishness that was an anath- was anathema. I love that word to his approach for the world. <laughs> I
0: don't even know what that means. First of all, you may have to do a little vocabulary lesson for me. Um, but yeah, I I do think, I mean, Harry was already so sensitive about it. I mean, he'd already gotten it from several friends and Obviously, the media was attacking her already. So he was hypersensitive about it. So to hear it from his own brother, I'm sure, really put him on edge. And that, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all that they, but what's surprising is that from William's side, things would have dried up if he was just trying to offer like advice, like take it slow and Harry just took it the wrong way. I don't know. Right. It doesn't seem necessary that William's side of things would freeze up.
1: I'd be so disappointed if William opened the door and Kate wasn't there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, apparently so was Megan. <laughs> oh,
1: right. That's true. Um, the other detail we skipped over that I just thought was an interesting tidbit. So Megan. Oh, actually, maybe we didn't skip over it, but like right after they got engaged Megan ha- was trained at the British Army's SAS headquarters on preparing for kidnapping, hostage situations, and terrorist attacks. And she, it, they staged a kidnapping, and she was bundled into the back of a car by a terrorist, taken to a different location, and then saved by officers using fake guns. Um, during the mock kidnapping, Megan was even taught to develop a relationship with the enemy. She was also instructed on how to drive a car while in pursuit.
0: Can you imagine how scary that is? I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just like being on any other acting set for her.
1: Wow. That's a really interesting point.
0: <laughs> I feel like she probably nailed it, but I don't know.
1: <laughs> but somebody like full on Homeland, putting a bag over my head and throwing me in, into a trunk would be triggering.
0: <laughs> for, sure, her. for sure. For <laughs> sure.
1: Oh, that's just kind of made me laugh. Um, okay. And then let's see. Oh, okay. So we also kind of skipped over when they were dating, um, Botswana do you have any thoughts on that trip
0: which one well they took they took one six weeks the what was that the one at her birthday a year after they were dating like where he proposed apparently
1: this was the when they had only been dating for six weeks but the only the only thing I wrote the only thing I wrote down for this is (laughs) kind of per your packing details yeah Harry was delightfully surprised by Megan's down-to-earth attitude, the book states. While camping, she cleaned her face with baby wipes and happily wandered into the woodlands if she needed a bathroom break. I was like, what?
0: I mean, I, I can't remember specific details from that particular trip. I remember more details from the second one, but they sort of allude to, I mean, they allude to her good nature, like attitude from being. Um, vi- being able to kind of handle the wilderness and really trying to make her sound like she's not uppity snobby you know too good for anything so they
1: well and that's kind of that was like such a funny paradox we talked about yesterday especially because like around this time in the book they talk about kind of the everything megan did for his life and like it just was more nauseating detail like Every morning, she woke up and drank hot water with lemon with steel cut oats. She got him into a spiritual side, blah blah, blah and making her sounds of down to earth. But then she, he would talk about the forty five hundred dollar painting and the expensive champagne and uh, like all the accommodations. And I'm, I don't know, it just was so annoying and it was like whiplash between like charming humility and off putting lavishness.
0: Right, and it also the mention about her turning him into health, like a health nut is another response to tabloid stuff like every turn in this book is basically addressing what the tabloids wrote and being like well he liked it though <laughs> right right i don't know i think that was funny but
1: and i also laughed because the biggest job she had like <laughs> i just like think these details are funny like when he was talking about her calligraphy career and how like she learned how to write at the paper store. Like it was luxury. Big- like it was a luxury
0: store. It's like come to the US. It's traditional retail. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the only not the only thing that he, he described with that job is that she did the invitations for Paula Patton and Robin Thick, which is like made me laugh. So random. <laughs> so random. Um, okay. So when we get to the engagement, Harry and will are on the outs harry and his bff skippy are on the outs people tried to intervene saying it was going too fast he didn't care now that in retrospect i'm like yeah this is pretty fast but i also get it she was 36 like yeah. i don't know like she they knew they wanted to be together get the show on the road um but i think that the funny part so they didn't really tell us that much we didn't know about the engagement they roasted a the chicken he got down on one knee whatever but the funny part about this piece to me that um Uh, it was like what we've been saying about like the way he's positioning her. I didn't, I don't know the exact quote, but it was kind of hilarious. It was like, uh, Harry didn't ask Thomas's permission because Megan's a feminist woman in her mid thirties who believes both genders have the right to call, like make the call of who they marry. And the only person who could decide if she wanted to marry Harry was Megan herself. And I felt like Omid was like trying to mic drop. And I was like, okay, (laughs)
0: like I agree. (laughs) Yeah but I mean I think it was another another point of her trying to separate herself from her father. Commentary like that. It's just another way to be like okay, we're on the outs like she they don't really need his approval for anything. So
1: this that is a great point. Um okay, so with the wedding, I don't know if there's any like things you thought were um interesting, but I thought nothing about the like attire, makeup, dress, whatever really shocked me other than not shocked me, but like obviously that dress was meant to be understated because the veil was the star of the show. The Mulrooney boys bombed that. They emphasized how they practiced the night before, because obviously that was a big point of contention with people like me is that gorgeous, stunning, meaningful veil not being properly represented. And did you did you did you feel like they kind of were being pointing out that they did practice?
0: <laughs> no, I didn't I don't even remember that, but what's coming to mind right this second is the fact that Jessica Maroney posted a photo of Megan with her son behind her, and he's making this funny face. It's on the wedding day when he's supposed to be like a page boy, like watching her dress and stuff. And he kind of looks menacing. <laughs> it's the one <laughs> really? It's the one she deleted this week because I'm sure, I mean, how many of us think that they're still friends? <laughs>
1: Well, OK, that's the other thing we too we need to bring up is like if you aren't aware. So Jessica Mulrooney is a, like a stylist and she's now as a result of Megan, also a, a contributor to Good Morning America. But apparently in Canada, her husband, Ben, is actually quite famous. And he's like, a, for lack of a better person to compare him to, like a Matt Lauer, but allegedly less problematic. <laughs> and um, when so they're pretty famous and um, in their country, but I think Megan hugely got her on the map, like mainstream, obviously. And during, in June, I think, it was kind of a weird thing. I don't fully remember the details of.
0: And everything Sasha Exeter said, I was like, whoa, like uh, Jessica really overstepped. And she shared screenshots, didn't she?
1: Basically, uh, High Level was talking about a situation where she was treated incredibly poorly and didn't say any names. Jessica jumped to the conclusion that it was her, even though the, she didn't she just was sharing her own experience and immediately DM this woman and said, I'm suing you for libel, but she also spelled it wrong, which just annoyed me. She spelled it like Bible, I think. Um, and it, it, I, don't, I, for, I need to look up more details. Maybe I'll explain it in the post recording, but like, it was a bad look. It was like, not only was she centering it on herself, she was also threatening this woman who had every right to share her story and her experience that wasn't even necessarily about her. And it just kind of like, I don't know. I was kind of like, oh, this is bad.
0: Oh, it spiraled for sure. I think Sasha.
1: Yeah, she did. Screen- Sasha Exeter yeah. is her name. Yes. Okay. the. I couldn't think of it at the top of my head. Um, Yeah, she shared screenshots and I uh, got just people like really, really backed her. And I and uh, to the point where. I mean, yeah, it, it was a really bad down. look. And didn't
0: she get fired from Good Morning America?
1: Or did she step
0: down? She took, well, she she left whatever she was doing. She's now like making kind of a resurgence on social media, but she'd taken a social media break. Her husband, I think, was affected by it too.
1: He, uh, he resigned. Yeah. that's what that, that was wild to me that he did it really fast. I think they knew like it was just going to get worse. And I'm like, oh, maybe they might have something to hide. Yeah.
0: So anyway, there's a lot of, question whether they're still friends and the fact that she posted a photo and then deleted it kind of makes me think they're not.
1: Uh right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think Megan has to be really careful on who she aligns herself with. And and it's like just I mean that was heart horrendous behavior. And it's one of those things where if you're Megan and that's like your only friend, I'm like, I don't know what she's gonna do.
0: Right. And I mean as her friend, Megan is also biracial and I'm sure took offense to that just like Sasha did. I mean, well, right, did. as she should. Right. Well,
1: and 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 Jessica used Megan in her defense. I oh, forget
0: exactly that. what it was. I forgot that.
1: It was like, how dare you say that I like fought against, you know, friends with her. Uh-huh. Oh and it's like, oh, yeah, you've been through a lot being friends with a half black woman. Like, shut, like, yeah. just stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Um. It was, she did. Uh, yeah, it was it was troubling. So was I'm case dying case. to know if they're still fr- friends. But she this week, deleted, it, posted and deleted a photo, which I think tells us what we need to
0: know. Right. But anyway, sorry. Back to the whole page boy uh, veil situation. Um, no, I, I I sort of missed that. I don't know how, but maybe I just was, I lost interest when Jessica Mulroney came up in the
1: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think I was just like, they emphasized that he talked about this veil so much. And i it just reinforces the veil was supposed to be the star, not the dress. It was like a big statement on her behalf. It took hundreds of hours to make. It, it represented the Commonwealth. I think it was like her thing. And I think people were just really focused on
0: how badly
1: the plain nature of the dress. And yeah, yeah.
0: That's un- That is unfortunate. I liked the dress. I feel like I'm in the minority here because of that. Um, I just I really love a boat neck neckline on her. I think it's really pretty. Fit obviously aside, E Holmes has talked all about that. And I agree that it wasn't. It didn't fit her properly. Um, but I think if it had, it would have looked
1: pristine. Oh yeah, I think she lost a lot of weight the That's two correct. weeks leading up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, horrible stress with everything going on. And beyond that, I think that, um, yeah, I, in re- I actually, I was underwhelmed in real time, but I was expecting a Kate moment. But now that I think about it, I just think it was a very deliberate. She understood like it's her second wedding. She's not an heir to the throne. She's not Kate Middleton. I think she wanted to be a smidge understated on purpose. When I look back on it now, I'm like, holy Disney princess. She looks so beautiful with her tiara it's classic like she's not going to regret that I agree I actually really like it now and I even like the loose hair a little bit more now that I know her better and I know that's her style because I think you should be comfortable on your own wedding day um but the uh what I thought was interesting that I I kind of tuned out during because I was at home goods that I wanted to ask you about was the the tiara of it all oh that
0: process yeah so apparently there was no issue is basically what the book is saying. There was no issue. They walked in with the Queens with the queen and it was the queen, Harry. And I think they said her, her dresser for like lady who handles all of her clothes. And that's who went through and looked with them um, to look at the tiaras. She kind of tried. I think she tried on a couple, um, but her, her, point of view is that this is the one that she wanted it was never there was never one that was supposed to be for somebody else or one they weren't allowed to use this is the one that she asked for that's what the book is saying because the rumor was uh was it she wanted a She wanted one with emeralds apparently according to like tabloid reports and there was a apparently a conflict because it came from Russia or something. And then another article claimed it was something that saving it for Beatrice.
1: Yeah. I always I heard the know. Beatrice rumor and then Beatrice did wear it. Right.
0: Yeah. But I don't know. I I feel like why would they lie in this book about it? Yeah. And like? yeah, it's kind of
1: a dumb thing to lie about, but I thought there was a conflict. Like
0: the, the big something. problem was the scheduling of the, yes. the, um, placement of the tiara like with the hairdresser so megan was trying to schedule her hairdresser to be in town to place it and like figure out her hair tutorial or not tutorial but preview whatever you call that clearly i've been married i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> trial <laughs> trial i got it um, so she was trying to get that scheduled and apparently the queen's like wardrobe person who was supposed to be helping with it literally never responded. And Megan followed up a number of times. She could not get a hold of her. And so that's when Harry stepped in and we had a problem. Then he kind of took it out on her and was like, You need to respond to her. What Megan wants, Megan gets was sort of like Oh, that's where that quote came from. I think so. And then the Queen, I guess, got mad at him for the way he spoke to her. But I mean, she didn't respond. She was like unavailable to help. It's like she was avoiding Megan. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah. And then toward the end when they talk about how allegedly they tried to schedule a meeting in December about their options for finding freedom. Uh, and so she has to book. He has to book time with his own grandmother through her diary keeper, like her assistant, who said in December she wasn't available till January 23rd.
0: Right. And also this is the case when he's, tr- whenever he tries to talk with anyone about Kensington Palace stuff, he can't just talk to his brother. He has to like make appointments with like his staff. Right. To talk to the staff, then to talk to the brother. Like it's that, that's crazy to not just be able to and that- call up your brother and be like, can we talk about this?
1: <laughs> right. And then I think that shed light on the, volume of leaks because I, I was always kind of like, I don't know. That seems like crazy. Just like t- WhatsApp, your brother can in an encrypted text. Like why does everyone know everything? But I didn't realize that like your family business is also official business. So you are always going through other people. And there's so many people involved with everything that it's impossible to keep things a secret and then impossible to track who leaked it. And if it's motivated by William or Charles or anybody like that. And I was like, this is a miserable existence to not be able to talk to your family members without 20 people being copied. And
0: without fear of something getting released to the press that you don't want released. I totally understand why he didn't want to write down a list when they were working on their exit plan. I totally understand why they don't want to share things with the Royal roda. I mean, they're not allowed to keep anything to them, or they can't keep anything to themselves because it gets leaked or exposed in some way. And then they can't mm-hmm. come out and say... This is what we really meant because they there's a rule against that. Like there's there's no way for them to win in this situation, right? And then poor Megan, I'm
1: sure, gets into this system and she's like, "Oh, great! I love a planner. I was recruitment chair. I, you know, oh, interned in Argentina. I'm gonna crush this." And then she gets up at five a.m. and gets all her work done, writes emails, tries to be organized with everybody, and is chastised for being too overeager. It's like. Dude, that article was the, cr- that was the moment when I was like, this is insanity. They're essentially trying to villainize her for being productive and organized. Honestly, I took that as a personal offense
0: to me because that's right. awesome. <laughs> So I was like, I feel like a lot of people are like that. It's just being type A. I I mean, there's really no other, I don't know. It's,
1: it's the desirable way to be. I mean, are you kidding? Like having an organ, I mean...
0: Being an organized and wanting to get stuff like you think they'd be excited that she wants to get stuff done herself, that she's not just like sloughing it off onto everybody else. Like she wants to make changes and improvements. And she's trying to make it happen, but with all the red tape and the leaks saying that she's um difficult and all that stuff. It's like right. how are you gonna get it done? <laughs> um so the Leading up to the wedding, I'm
1: trying, I don't know if there's anything that interesting about their engagement other than them both living in Kensington Palace and not being friends with Will and Kate and Kate allegedly not reaching out for, to get show her the lay of the land. Uh, but at, with the wedding, I wrote down and I thought it was interesting that they had to have the choir do 12 versions. And by the time the wedding happened, they never finalized it. Yeah.
0: I wonder what- it, it had to be maybe understated or something? I don't know, but I will never know. But I wonder what they didn't like about the other 12 versions. <laughs> <before>. <laughs>
1: right. And there's that choir is so talented. And I, I feel like he didn't focus enough on
0: the styling of that choir was outstanding. <laughs> I mean, but they did afterwards. And like the queen obviously asked them to come to some event after that. I liked that. I was excited. Uh but yeah I I think all of the little cultural things that they added to the wedding were really nice I think that made it very special for them and just different from all the past ones we've seen
1: Yeah it was the first black bishop I think maybe ever to be delivering any sort of address for lack of a better term in that church and I loved yeah I think that that ceremony was so important let's see the other thing oh I really enjoyed knowing more details about the reception. Um I, I guess I didn't totally realize that it's like ceremony, luncheon, then they cut off a bunch of people, then reception. And I'm dying to know what those numbers are. How like how many people cut. don't get to go to the reception. Who
0: made the cut? Well like you said earlier, was it Skippy wasn't invited to the evening reception? Yeah, but
1: like James Corden was, you know, I if I were skipping, I'd be like, if was
0: Skippy, like seriously, he was part of the entertainment too. They said he got up on stage and like did some stuff.
1: That's true. But like, is there anything more insufferable than you getting iced out for having well intentioned advice for your friend while he, um, takes shots of Casamigos with George Clooney at his wedding? <laughs> I mean,
0: that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It really is. But that, that um, and, party seemed real cool, real fun to me. I would have liked going. Um, again, they got really detailed about the food. Couldn't care less. <laughs> couldn't picture. care less. Something about leeks. I remember talking <laughs> about leeks. I don't know. Yeah,
1: if food... yeah as if <laughs> as if it's not a party without leeks. I'd argue it is a party without leeks. Right. Um, the, uh, the tables named basil, arugula, and oregano. I was like, I feel like she could have been more clever than that.
0: Wait, they named the tables after herb? Yes. (laughs) How did I miss that? I've listened to it four times. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, he's like, the tables
1: were basil, arugula, oregano. I was just like, (laughs) shut up. I didn't know Idris Elba DJ. Oh my God, I love him.
0: I was so glad to hear that. I didn't know that he made an appearance. I mean, I knew he was at the wedding, but I didn't know that he had like a DJ appointment. He's the, I know. He's
1: still hot. <laughs> I'm obsessed that he really is. Um, and then the, uh, they, I, I, we already knew Megan gave a speech, and I just always laugh at how big of a deal that's made to be. I know no royal person's done it before, but like Jesus, ladies, speak at your own goddamn wedding if you want to. <laughs> like it's your time. Um, I like the detailing of the speeches of like this. These are the details that I, I'm like, was Omid Scobie at the reception?
0: Like I loved when they mentioned Charles gave a little speech, being like, So happy for you, old Harry. like I think Charles really does like Megan. Mm-hmm. I think he really has this like a bond place in his heart for her. It sounds like from the various accounts, I don't know if that's true now, but he certainly was when they were getting married, and she called him his second father, yeah, I think they I think they have a good relationship,
1: I mean, in Charles, like. He is, I mean, we were really young in the heyday of his controversy. He was not well loved. Theoretic, he's technically a pretty progressive royal given the controversy of Camilla, his mistress, who's now his wife. He divorced Diana and treated her horribly. Diana was like a crown jewel. Like, people like Charles has been through it. And um, I don't know how to feel about him, but I do like that he stepped up. For Meghan, and I feel like, given his experience and him having to be a bit progressive in his life choices, I think of anybody, he would maybe be the most empathetic to Harry and Meghan. Mm-hmm. But he's in an, a worse position than William. He's like going to be king any day now, right. and he he just is can't. He already is it. I think to him getting so upset about his uh, royal trip being eclipsed by Harry's announcement, you know, protecting Meghan in the, at the beginning. At first I was like, Charles, like, come on, you've had a million engagements, relax. But now when I think about it, I'm like, Charles has spent 20 years trying to get back in the public's favor before he's king. And like, he can't mess up before he's king. Like he needs them, the country on his side. And it's like imminent. And I get that he has to tread lightly. Right.
0: And I mean, I think he's still not totally in the public's favor. Could be wrong, but. For- That's what I was. Yeah, I, was I don't, don't a mean- <laughs> it's, uh, it's not, he's. Everyone
1: loves William. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't, I have no pulse of like how people feel about Charles, if I'm honest. I don't really put any thought into him. Like I don't even click on his uh, headlines. Like yeah. I just have no interest. Yes. <laughs>
0: um,
1: okay. And then anything else about the, oh, the only thing that, uh, about the wedding was like, does anybody know how to play the piano? And Elton John's like, I do. And I'm just like, <laughs> But I did have a goosebumpy moment when he talked about playing tiny dancer and I was like, okay, so does every howl at the moon. But when he brought up that it was like blue jean baby, LA lady, I was like, oh, that was probably really sweet. And, um, I would do anything to hear circle of life live at my own wedding. Like that is like, I mean, can you uh, imagine Africa being so special to Harry?
0: Yeah. Africa. I mean, it all ties in. It
1: was so good. So yeah, I just, I, I don't know if. If people are on the fence about reading this, even just like the wedding stuff. I think it's just fun to listen to those little details. I feel like Omid, it sounded like he was there. Like he literally knew everything that went happened at the wedding. It sounds like the reception was really fun and charming and they let loose. I know Merritt and I have talked about it ad nauseum. I just want to reiterate, I I just think the moment of all moments was Megan stepping out in that high neck dress with the drop earrings, with Diana's ring, Going in the is was it a Jaguar? Like it was just a moment. Stella
0: McCartney dress
1: was that Stella? Okay, I mean it's it's a dress I would never pick out off the rack. It's just like the most plain high neck silhouette, but on her it was breathtaking.
0: Arms were insane. I was like Bob goals, and Harry looked so dapper. He that was probably the hottest he's ever
1: looked. Was in that. Agree. So. He looked hot at Kate and Will's wedding, but he did his hair was a little too spiky for me. <laughs> I wish he'd part. I just wish he would part his hair. Um okay, so moving into now they're married. Um let me find what I thought was interesting about this. Well, so they get pregnant pretty fast. Um, and then her and the queen went on their first train trip, and Kate didn't go on a train trip with or a private trip with the queen for like 10 months. And it sounded like the queen and Meghan really got along, which I loved. And it was so, that was a funny piece too, where they were like pointing out how the paparazzi were, uh, Oh, that was a big one of, um, when she went, what, did she get out of the car, walk, go into the car before the queen and people went wild.
0: Well, she, she asked, what is your preference for you to go or for me to go? And the queen said, you go first.
1: Well, right and yeah, and it's like we wouldn't. That's a funny detail we would never know. And I'm like, okay, cool. And like, I t- how frustrating would that be? Because
0: I feel like Pete, actually, that was a really bend it or spun it. Wow, spun it as she like was not following the rules. And it's like, no, she properly asked, "What would you like me to do?" And the queen said, "Go first. So. And I
1: think that was a big moment, like one of your first engagements with the queen, there's like a sanctity, I think, to British people about this royal protocol that it's it's so like in, ingrained in them, the respect. And I they want her to be this disrespectful American that cares less about the institution. And the concept of them genuinely thinking that she would go take her first engagement as an opportunity to lead as a deliberate slight to her majesty. It's like, of course not, but that story is really damaging to what uh, you know her level of respect for the queen and I just I don't know. So yeah, I'm I'm glad they addressed that, but I kind of forgot what a big deal that was at the time. And she also got diamond earrings on that trip Yeah, from the queen.
0: Amazing. But I mean, it does it, it it kind of takes it back to the point. Harry makes in South Africa way later, but he's like these these tabloids print stories that are false, but they end up becoming true around the world because they're spread without any repercussion. And so a story that is just totally false, everyone just assumes is real because of how often it's spread around. And this is the perfect example of that. So,
1: and another, yes, exactly. And another one during the wedding that I skipped over is that it, it was such a big story, even though I argue, even if it was if it was true, it wouldn't be that big of a deal about the, Flower girl fitting and Kate crying Uh-oh. when Charlotte was trying on the dresses and the in the book it says some of the children weren't cooperating and there was a lot going on. Everyone tried to help where they could, but it's never easy with kids at fittings. Uh, there were no tears from anyone in the end. The fitting was fine. The book a- uh, adds that those close to Markle question whether it could have been from someone, someone from the palace or a former employee behind the story, and wondered out loud why aides refused to refuse to set the record straight there and then so t l d r they're directly saying that Kate or somebody at her camp planted that, and that's the most roundabout way of being like that story was deliberately planted, and that's an example of one that was not at all intercepted, yeah and yeah, defended yeah. or whatever, yes, exactly. And then the other thing was pippa's wedding, so um so Kate didn't so sorry, Megan didn't go to pippa's uh ceremony, but went to her reception and i guess the sun ran a cover story with the headline it's megan versus pippa and the wedding of the rears which like okay like alongside of like the two like photos of their backsides like that's so lame um and both the bride and her mom carol privately harbored concerns that the american actress's presence alongside harry would overshadow the main event and markle decided it would not be the best to show up at the ceremony but did um, attend the reception later that evening. And I don't even remember this, but I guess the media positioned it as, uh, Megan, like would not go and didn't want to go and people didn't know she went to the reception. But, um, I don't even remember that happening.
0: I I remember it happening and because they did this, they featured her there in that Lifetime movie. (laughs) So I do remember that she went to the reception, but I don't remember the tablets framing it as Megan didn't want to go. I don't. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I mean, it makes something. sense that you wouldn't go. I mean, it, that makes sense. Sort of like when she didn't go to Brian um, Belisario and Brian, Brian, Brian has? Yeah, who are they? The the suits. Her suits co-star got married, and she didn't go. She was worried about helicopters flying over during that ceremony. So it's sort of the same thing. Yeah. I don't know.
1: And I also don't think her and Priyanka Chopra are friends anymore.
0: Yeah. I want to know more about that.
1: Yeah. Same. Um, Okay. So I guess now we're in Archie era. So the, okay. So one of the notable things about the pregnancy that I think we kind of knew, but they announced they were expecting, so they got married in May, had some engagements, like, I don't know. It was kind of fine. There was still like really negative. Press coverage and stuff we've talked about on past podcasts, but then in October, on October fifteenth, twenty eighteen, um, they announced publicly announced they were expecting a baby, and it was reported that the couple shared the news privately with family and friends. At Harry's cousin, I I feel like the American accent is Eugenie, but whenever British people say it, they say Eugenie, so I never know how to what to do. Um, Eugenie's wedding to Jack Brooksbank a few days earlier on October twelfth. It did not go down particularly well with Eugenie. A source said. The couple felt that they should have waited to share the news. And I thought it was interesting that the book didn't deny that Eugenie was mad about this because everything else, they were like, she didn't care. It was fine. Uh, Or they could have said that. But for Kate and for Eugenie it's and Pippa, it's like the women that are rumored to be mad about stuff she did, she's not denying, you know?
0: Yeah. And I mean, isn't Eugenie... Or is it, Beat- I think they're both really close with Harry. So maybe they had a conversation with them after the fact when said something.
1: Yeah, I hope that, um, I hope that uh, they're friends now, because it sounds like they also vac- uh, vacation with Beatrice and Eugenie at the Cloonies.
0: I just sort of find it hard to believe that they were telling people at the wedding. Like if somebody saw her bump or because she had to eventually take off her coat, right, right. button at the top i mean i feel like i don't know i don't know i just part of me wants to believe that she she and harry weren't just like telling people because they had not even announced it yet
1: so but i think this book is confirming they did which is disappointing i know <laughs> i don't like that well and then they try to just to justify it by like they were about to go on this tour it would have overshadowed the humanitarian work he, it, because people would only speculate about the bump, blah, blah, I was like, I understand all of that, but there, between October 12th and October 15th, the formal announcement between the wedding and announcement, you could have told your family in that window.
0: Right. Even two days before the wedding.
1: Right. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, with her pregnancy, it sounds like the press understandably, like, really, really wore on her. And this was a very isolating period in her life where she was in Frogmore Cottage. This is where all the press about their renovations and the public tax dollars go haywire. Um, That she held her baby bum too much, allegedly, which I kind of just understand from like a place to rest my arms. And I'm sure it's weird to like, you like be 3D printing a human and you're just like, well, like your body's in the not a normal shape. Like I'm sure I'd be fixated on it. And
0: I think we've talked about this before, but she already, when she's taking photos, already kind of holds her arms out a little bit to show space. That's right. Um, and so that's just a natural place for her hands to go. She was always holding her hands in front of her stomach, but more like hand to hand, not hand to belly before she was pregnant. And now she's pregnant. And so she had somewhere to put her hands. Yeah, if you look at exactly. old
1: photos you can see she's doing it prior
0: to pregnancy. Right. And flattering. if you looked at photos of those
1: tour if you looked at photos of that tour um otherwise you if you wouldn't necessarily place that she was pregnant at that time because it was subtle. Yeah. Uh in terms of his full name which as you know bothers me that his name is a nickname. Yeah. Um and there yeah that it they were like they think it's strong and it's classic and blah 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 and they thought of archbold for all of one second which is just such like an unnecessary detail that she clearly wanted to address
0: <laughs> well i guess enough people questioned it after the fact yeah is that something that bothers you i forget no doesn't really bother me um, and it also kind of with the th- i mean they didn't know this then or maybe they did with the future foundation its archwell that they're mm-hmm. coming up with. So I don't know, maybe they were holding out for something like that. They didn't. What What is the well? I can't
1: remember. Me neither. Um, but this whole thing was just so funny. They were like, she was so uncomfortable, but she did not complain. Like <laughs> she, uh, it was then by the time that she has the baby, a, she was like way overdue and super uncomfortable. Um, like he addressed how people accused her of wanting to go to this one doctor because they do C sections. He basically confirmed without confirming she gave birth naturally. When I guess they've never revealed any details about the birth. Um, I thought it was funny that like one of the things about that when they introduced Archie um, when she was in that like white belted dress. The the press at the time was like they were you know came out and talked to people for all of five minutes like thanks a lot as if it was kind of like short. But the book was like, they were supposed to be there for three, but they stayed for five. Like, they stayed longer than they needed
0: to, actually. Right. Um, I did think, I mean, there was a lot of controversy about when they brought Archie out, because they were given two days. And, like, of course, with Kate and William and their babies, they see them the day up, which I don't think is necessary. Uh, But it does make you wonder if she needed more time to recover or something like that from a potential C-section or something
1: like that. Yeah. I kind of assumed that. And like, it's no, is it our business? No, no I but I just
0: thought it was a, we-
1: <laughs> and I just thought it was a weird thing to clarify. I'm like, well, I didn't really care either way, but um, yeah, it sounds, but the part in this that really spooked me too, the way he said something, I was like, I kind of shuddered in terms of like the commentary about not getting to meet Archie and not seeing his baptism or whatever. Uh, when he was reading it, it was so creepy in terms of like, we, the public own you, we are entitled to your child's information. We deserve to see your child. Like I was like, Oh my God, as a, as a mother, you'd be like, fuck off. Right. <laughs> I, 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 w- I would have no, no tolerance for that in any position. I don't care. Like, cause at the end of the day, it's just that it's a child, like relax. Right. She's doing what's best for her. She
0: even says that later in the book. It's like, you want me to serve this child up on a silver platter after you've been basically talking shit on me for however long I've been here? No, thanks. Why do you think you deserve that?
1: That, Yeah, that's a good point. And I feel like that happens with so many celebrities, a la Taylor Swift. It's like, you have so many more fans than you do haters, but the haters are louder and they completely saturate the commentary space giving you an idea that they all, everyone hates you and the people that love you just aren't like in the comment section. And then every, you don't feel like you owe anyone anything because they all hate you. And it's so sad because people like you and me that like eat this up are penalized because of the people okay, that they, you Yeah. It's
0: annoying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what, so, so this is another part where after she has Archie there's, this is where there's more shade thrown to Kate that I was like, eye rolling. Um, well, first of all, what made me laugh is they that like I'm sure moms everywhere are just like, oh my god, because he said like Megan was concerned something was wrong with the baby because he was so quiet, and never cried.
0: I, mean, <laughs> I was like, good for you, yeah, Meg. Like, Everyone hating <laughs> you around the world with
1: that. <laughs> um, and then, so I okay the nanny. So they are
0: oh yeah the night nurse yeah the they night fired? nurse was hired
1: the second yeah.
0: I thought that was interesting. I didn't ever remember hearing that.
1: I think I copied and pasted this. Uh, While it was widely reported that the Sussexes had to let Archie's night nurse go early, the book claims they made this call during her second shift. Megan and Harry felt they were forced to let the nurse go in the middle of her second night of work for being unprofessional. The new parents went on to hire a second night nurse who did a fine job, but because of the incident with the first nurse, neither found themselves comfortable sleeping through the night without going to check on Archie regularly. After a few weeks, they decided to take on nights themselves and went without a night nurse entirely. Um, which I was like, damn, I wonder what she did and how violating with your new baby, like having it in the hands of somebody you don't trust and then not being able to trust people after like, that is scary. No wonder they
0: look sleepy at all their engagements.
1: Yeah. Right. It's, and I thought it was interesting, too, because I kind of assume there's always people around. But this is where they also clarify there's no staff and they throw Kate and Will under the bus um, because they said that. Uh, let me find it. The book also notes that the couple did not want a house full of staff. Harry had seen that that, that situation at Prince William's home. The Cambridges had a live in housekeeper and a full time live in nanny and didn't want the same from his, for his own family. He and Megan like the idea that when they went to bed at night, it was just the three of them in the house, cozy and private. That's like such a, it's petty. uh, it's petty. Yeah.
0: Um, it's also like, we are one we're like you is basically what they're saying to the public with that commentary. And Kate and will have three kids. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: I, it's just a funny thing where I don't know, you can't hold people's choices against them. If I could afford a full-time housekeeper, would I have one? Probably.
0: Yeah, well, but also, again, it's positioning Harry as the one making the decision, which I find interesting. Mm. It's always Harry the, who's the one who's impulsive and doing making decisions and calling people out. It, this book is spinning him as not like a bad person, but as, he's the instigator for a lot of this stuff.
1: Right. No, it's so true. And I didn't catch that, but, uh, I think I like almost need to re-listen with that lens and see, like, I, I wish I like could make an infographic about this book of like, <laughs> <laughs> all of Megan's attributes or like, uh, a volume of like actual interesting, helpful facts relative to the like ratio of like food commentary. Really I just packing tips and all that. <laughs> he tips, right. Um, Okay, so I also so like if your sibling had a child, would you wait eight days to see it?
0: No, I mean unless it was right? unless it was the pandemic and you were forced right. to wait. I mean, I would assume you'd want to see them right away.
1: That was spooky to me. I was like, oh god, things were bad.
0: Yeah, eight days, but again, they're in their first child. You wonder, it's a big deal. But did the I can't recall, but did the book spin it as they never. Offered to come, or that Megan and Harry weren't taking visitors right away because they didn't want to see anyone for two days. They saw like the Queen, of course, but do you think um, they had visitors that early?
1: Nope, because they listed off. It was a laundry list of people like <laughs> that, that met him and
0: Serena and Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it was like uh, Charles, Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall like Doria, his cousins, it was all, the they named all these people that met the baby, but the only people who they specified the timeline of is William and Kate, and they, and he said eight days after the baby was born, William and Kate came without the kids, and I was like, you didn't say how many days it was for Beatrice yeah. or Charles. Yeah, I mean, just
0: little petty, petty details
1: like that. It's crazy. Um, okay, I think so yeah, it just, honestly, it sounds like um, the move to Frogmore following the rift with uh, <clears throat> Harry or William, Megan's pregnancy toward the end and the isolation, the, you know, being a new parent, all these things. I think this was just like a very tough season in their life and the press was absolutely relentless toward her. And this is kind of the, you know, beginning of the end. Um, and then this is where we get into like, Okay, so soon after Archie's birth is this is the su- at Sussex Royal of it all, right?
0: Uh when they I thought they'd announced Sussex Royal before Archie was born. Oh, they did. They had that picture of his feet like a month later. Oh, right. yeah. Um so they I think they announced Sussex Royal like right at the start of the year, didn't they? Um I can't I honestly don't remember, but I know it was before Archie was born because that's where it said, it's a boy and all this stuff.
1: That's right. For some reason in the my notes I have that this is where they start talking about the Instagram account. And I think that I forget if we talked about this earlier. Um this is where they get a little bit more specific with the frustrations in terms of their growing frustration with the priority of Charles and Will's initiatives um, that 83% of online searches were about Harry and Megan and they had no internal support and so much red tape That's and that an Instagram,
0: Instagram account ever, even over the Pope. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> and I thought it was so interesting that, that, uh, they could, the author confirmed that they did have a conversation with Will and Kate about their social media, uh, popularity and like overshadowing them. And I was like, I can't believe that they care. Like that was an example of a tabloid rumor that I was like, they do not care if Megan's posting an Instagram photo when William and are at another engagement, like that's insanity, but I guess they They do. do. Yeah. Do you remember specifically what happened that like they did with Instagram that made them mad?
0: No, but it was, it kind of kept happening. It wasn't just one time. It would be like, um, Kate and William were at an engagement and they'd post something at like 10 a.m. And then 30 minutes later, Megan and Harry would post something on their account. And it, it happened more than once. And the tabloids spun it as they were trying to compete. And there was even a there was even a rumor on the tabloids that uh, they were both trying to outdo each other with followers. and were buying followers trying to each other. It's just like, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, there are always thoughts, of course, but I don't know. I mean, they, they certainly were keeping up with each other. I'm eager to see when they're going to launch their new Instagram account. You know they're going to have one, right? I feel like... You're oh, act, I hope have so. One. And I feel like while Megan is saying she plans not to act again, I do think she's going to try at some point to be the next if Paltrow goop situation.
1: They mentioned that in the book at some point i got a dm that uh, that some it's pretty a pretty well thought out dm about why they think she's making strategic moves to like run for office really i mean she- and i thought i was like i never thought about that like a senate seat or you know like yeah. i don't know but um see, i don't think she's interesting i don't
0: really see her doing that because it's, it's i don't know i don't her having enough freedom in that particular. If she went into politics, she wouldn't have the freedom that she has now.
1: Right, it's another institutionalized thing where then you become state or you know funded and yeah. Also, people usually get into politics to gain power. She already has it, and she'd essentially be taking a lower-paying gig. Right.
0: I just I don't I don't see that so much, and I don't really see her getting back into acting aside from like maybe being featured in those documentaries that she and Harry will be producing. Um, but I, I definitely could see her starting up a, a lifestyle, like a luxury lifestyle, like media company
1: or something. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, but yeah, less, I know I'd be so interested to see what that, all of that stuff. I feel like she couldn't own something with, um, content contributors that she can't control.
0: Yeah. But I mean, if she had a team,
1: right, that's true. I just think everything would be picked apart. Like, you know, if because if it's like poosh or goop, it's like crystals and sh- I, it would just be such bait. But yeah, maybe. But if they're,
0: I, if I think, they're out, they're out. I think this Netflix thing is the, the sign seal delivered of they're not returning. Right. So I think whatever they do now is up to them.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Um, right. I was looking to see if there was, oh, so oh it was when Kate's elaborate garden design for the K- Chelsea Flower Show was posted on at Kensington Royal then um the what well, Will and Harry posted a photo of their wedding I don't remember that
0: a year later that doesn't, that doesn't seem normal. but yeah
3: what
0: was the photo from their wedding Oh,
1: wait, no, it was the, um, it was the foot photo. Never mind. Oh,
0: it was the same day, but wasn't that it was for mother's thing. It wasn't, I thought that post was for um, like us mother's day.
1: Yeah. I'm not so, clear on this. Cause this article is war of the poses, Megan and Harry's social media war. And, um, uh, but it's like, I, the dates aren't on them. So I can't tell, but I guess every time Will and Kate posted a photo of their kids, they'd follow up with one. And like, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's so petty to me. I don't really get that, and I think it's hilarious they actually care. And they also made it sound like Megan runs the account, which I don't know if that's true. The captions do sound very her, and I like I loved the foot photo of like uh, Archie's little feet because it's such like big blogger energy yeah. to just like show a vignette. And I love that her baby was a vignette yeah. of its feet.
0: <laughs> well, honestly, I really and maybe this is the blogger in me, but I hope that she has her own Instagram account and can post up. Not that she will become the tag again or. Let's say she doesn't do that, but it's more of like a, this is sad, but like a a celebrity's Instagram account that posts their real life. I want to see it. I want that content.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. All I want is that content. And like, you know, she'll get a Michelle Obama level book deal, but it's only going to be about her humanitarian work and we're going to want juicy details. And I, which is great, but like, they always redirect back to their, like humanitarian work, which is important, yes, but I do think there's a point where you have to relinquish a bit to people's interest in your lifestyle details.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that even even if all, you... after a certain amount of time, we'll see how things progress over the next few years. I mean, this is just a few months out from right. them leaving. Like, imagine what happens next year or three years from now.
1: Can you imagine if we get a Vogue 73 questions in that Montecito house? I would love it. I'd pass out. <laughs> Did you watch that Gloria Steinem thing?
0: Yeah, uh, yes, but it it wasn't very long. Most of the it stuff, was... it was very short, and I didn't feel like the questions that were asked were that groundbreaking. I don't uh, it, know. It just seemed sort of like a fluff piece to me. Um, but, I mean, I liked being able to see her. I got to link her outfits. That was fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love her long hair. I love seeing her play with the dogs. I yeah. love her breezy hat. I love their socially distanced, like uh, Adirondack chairs or whatever. Um, but yeah, if I was sitting down with Gloria Steinem following what well, you know, the biggest crazy press firestorm about my decision to pursue independence. And I, like, you bet I would be answering some pointed questions. <laughs> like, How do you, okay. It was an uh, opportunity that they, that was really not taken.
0: How do you feel about her on video now? I'm I'm still under the for some reason I think she like I thought she was so good on suits, but that first interview video and even the interview with Gloria Steinem I just there was something not authentic about it to me, and it's not anything to do with I like her, but it like was too like she's being too like overly sweet, like to show right there like there's something about it the quality. I don't know. Maybe that is how she talks, but for some reason, I when she's acting, you don't see that. So it just kind of surprises me that that is her personality, if that is
1: true. There, right, and that's what's so interesting is like I do think there's a difference between acting sincere and being sincere, right. and I think she does a good job at acting sincere, and sometimes it's hard to tell. But then the then it becomes a function of like. I don't know. I just know like as a per- like person that gets criticized for a lot of things I say or how I say them or whatever. Like people are uh, like hypercritical of how women talk, the way they talk, the words they choose, the way they ramble, whatever. But beyond that, sometimes it's like you're people the what's unspoken is that like it's not that she wants to be fake, but like she has to be so guarded and held back and controlled because everything can and will be held against her. So I agree with you in that it sounds so, it it does not sound authentic at all. And my benefit of the doubt side of me, that wants to be like, she has no choice but to be overly prepared and rehearsed because she's been burned so many times. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: I didn't think about that.
1: So I just, so I don't know, but I agree. It's almost frustrating to watch sometimes because I think she's, well, and the other thing I'd say, too is there was th- I feel like this didn't get a lot of coverage, but, um, we mentioned earlier how her her maid of honor in her first wedding and her childhood best friend sold a bunch of stuff to the press, which I'm still shook by. That's so disappointing. Like yeah. your maid of honor, are you kidding? Yeah, She's
0: um, still friends with her ex-husband. I think I said that yesterday. The girl is so, oh, right. that's so right there's there's got to be something there um. But
1: yeah. and she she released uh, one of the videos that friend released I saw a couple years ago. And it's this like 10, 15 minute home video footage of Megan and her friend riding around in a car. And Megan just like talking about L.A. and certain neighborhoods, talking about her strange relationship with her father. And it's this lens into Megan's like actual natural personality when she was like maybe like 18 to 20. And it's kind of funny to watch because she's so chipper and upbeat and sweet and high energy and almost talks very similarly to how she does now and I need to link to it because even though I feel bad because it's like leaked footage that her shitty friend released I kind of it made me feel like this is actually um who she is like a really enthusiastic person
0: the only way the only reason I would disagree with that is it it, maybe it's particularly around other people versus when she's giving speeches because when she gives speeches, she is on it and I want to listen to everything she has to say. Like you can, she like demands attention when she's like on a podium or whatever, when she knows what she wants to say, it feels authentic. I love every second of it. But when it's like an interview, like the Gloria Steinem one or the BBC interview of her engagement, there was something that felt weird about it. And I don't know if it's, she wants to stay more enhanced and so she's holding back. Like when she's doing those speeches, I feel like she writes them and she like has control over that and she enjoys it. Maybe it's a sense of control, a lack of control.
1: That's an interesting point because you're right. Her speeches are awesome and the conversations are awkward. Even too, I think about that like panel, her, Will, and Kate did. And she just came prepared with sound bites and was like, Women don't need to find their voice. They have one. They need to be empowered to use it. Great quote, totally premeditated. Yeah. Uh, Which is fine, but yeah, when you're not in the context of a speech, it doesn't land the same. Right.
0: So I don't know. It could just be um, in a group setting. It's different than when it's just her talking by herself. I don't know.
1: I will forever be charmed by that the speech before she was famous for, it was at the UN where she talks about Procter and Gamble and Nick news and her, the laundry detergent, that speech is incredible. And that, and that, that was an example to me of like, people act like she kind of just, I don't know, came out of nowhere and now wants to be like this humanitarian and like leader. And that's like pretending to be this great person. I'm like, no, like that, that speech is an example of like, this is stuff she's always cared about. And like, she was, she's involved, she was involved with so much more humanitarian effort than your average celebrity before Harry was even in the picture.
0: Yeah. And even when she was little and the, when she wrote all of the, I, I would never have thought to do that. I mean, no, she's, she's, a, was different, like, she's a different kind of gal. <laughs> She's a different kind of gal. I was
1: just like watching like people jump naked into the pool on the real world Hawaii when I was right. like, I was like,
0: I, I was, was playing. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how old she was there, but I was probably like playing with Barbies or something. <laughs> didn't care. Something I know like that. who's thinking about feminine.
1: I, I <laughs> truly like, did, I didn't even understand gender equality till I was maybe like 21.
0: Agreed. Oh, and <laughs> You know, she's well-educated. She's gotten involved. I mean, she worked in Argentina. I, she's, she's had so much worldly experience outside of what Prince Harry has been able to help provide with the Royal family. Like she's very cultured and knows her shit.
1: She does. And, um, I, before I forget some, uh, yesterday on Instagram, I was talking about, uh, Megan being, having like big recruitment chair energy and, uh, or no big pref night energy specifically. Cause pref nights, when you like try, like look into people's souls and talk about sisterhood and it's so creepy. Yeah. Um, but a bunch of Kappa Kappa Gammas DM me, and I don't know if I knew this, but I thought it was interesting. You know, the um, when Jay Z and Beyonce were standing in front of that painting of Megan as a queen, yeah, that was commissioned by Kappa Kappa Gamma for their the cover of their map. I was like, yeah. what they commissioned that a sorority,
0: yeah, but it didn't, it was just her headshot though, wasn't it? I thought, or was the tiara already on it.
1: I think, I think that entire painting was what it was going to be. And then Beyonce and Jay-Z used it for their own. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean. Because they got a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And it's funny that KKG. <laughs> did. Yeah. <it> <laughs> Ultimately for the visionaries behind it. Um, okay. So then after this, they kind of, I feel like, so this is the, yeah, the beginning of the end. So after Archie's born, one of the biggest blunders that they made that was a press firestorm, I believe, was last August. Specifically, Harry goes to the Google camp. He stays an extra day and flies private home after just, you know, speaking, um, being on his high horse about like energy conservation. And then they skip out on Balmoral to go to Ibiza um, on a private jet. Even, and then Elton John clarified it was his, and he clarified the low fuel consumption and all this stuff, but like, it still didn't help. And I just, and even they said in the book, Harry really regretted. Um, I be, they said something like Harry knew that that was a yeah. mistake taking the private plane. Yeah. And uh, I think that this is just where, yeah, shit starts to hit the fan and they'd start taking the lawsuits and stuff more seriously.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think they went, they went to Ibiza for Megan's birthday and then they went to elton john's in like italy wasn't it so they went to three different places oh i didn't know that or he did the google camp then it was for megan's birthday or something in august they went somewhere and then after that they went to elton john's so that's three different private jets um and so they got a lot of fire for that and I, I think part of that, obviously that, but then obviously the house, all the money they put into the house, they're just getting a ton of negative press from that. And I think that was the tip. That was the tipping point The money that they were used.
1: Yes. Right. You're so right. Um, that's because before it was the, the negative narratives were more nitpicking at like random things they would do or Megan specifically. They're like, kind of some of their decisions. And like, it, I don't know, like sometimes it was about her clothes and holding her bump or whatever, but like all of a sudden the narrative completely shifted to like tax dollars. Like we are funding these people's lifestyle that don't even want to show us their baby. They won't go to Belmoral. Like, so they stopped doing like, I think they, they put their guard up. And then when the perception was that they were spending uh, the taxpayer dollar, which if you read Sussex Royals, uh, FAQs. They're, they're really not. It's the smallest percentage. I talk about that on the last one Merritt and I recorded in January, but um, yeah, so you're right. Cause I think that the finances and the media are the two levers that made them want to ultimately find freedom and leave. And the, so after this late summer media firestorm, and then there's September happens, then in October is when they file the lawsuit against all of those newspapers Specifically for them publishing a letter Megan had written to her father and taking certain pieces out of context and whatnot, and I know it was a total violation of privacy and they have the right to sue. And the, and Omid Scobie was like, "Here's a list of all the people that have sued the press," and he like named all the P- these people from the past like two centuries right. to like clarify like this isn't that unprecedented. Um, and while it was a violation of privacy, I remember thinking that that uh, leak made Megan look really
0: good. The letter that she sent. Yeah, yeah, but then they, like, remember they did, like, the handwriting analysis and called her a narcissist and all this stuff. And they, like, really delved into it.
1: <laughs> People are such armchair diagnosers, because <laughs> I'm a solo podcaster. People call me narcissistic all the time. I'm like, I just don't have a co-host girlfriend. Like, I'd love to chat with somebody else, <laughs> but I sound very full of myself because I talk for two hours. I don't,
0: um, guys, you just have a lot to talk about. It doesn't mean you're a narcissist.
1: <laughs> right well I mean maybe I don't know but it's just it's a funny term people use uh for women like so quickly yeah and I'm like I don't think you know clinically what that means but
0: okay. I um, that you could tell that by looking at someone's handwriting
1: well yeah pop, pop the popular girl handwriting and
0: it's true I mean I have little boy handwriting so one could say I'm a sociopath you just don't know
1: <laughs> or you're
0: humble. Okay. I don't know how... I don't I'm know no what going on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, in my head, you
1: had the neatest of the neat handwriting. Oh,
0: my gosh. No. That's so interesting. It's uh, real embarrassing. I think I was supposed to be left-handed, but somewhere along the way, I like went right-handed, and then I just can't write with each hand <laughs> <am>
1: now. <laughs> That's a fun quarantine hobby, uh-huh. become ambidextrous. I could try, but I don't think... <laughs> Um, okay, so then they, yeah, they sue the press, and it and it, would the next thing be the Africa trip,
0: uh well they they didn't announce suing the press until the Africa trip. They announced it like the last uh, the second to last day of the trip, and they announced it because the lawsuit was happening, like it officially was happening that day. um, they filed it, and so they had to announce it. While they were on that trip, but they were also filming the documentary during
1: that whole time. Oh, that's right. Okay, and I wasn't totally following. They were like on a WhatsApp thread titled hashtag Sussex Africa trip, and I'm like, is that is that that simple? Because I feel like I could have found that uh, hashtag, but that there there was like some weird communication happening when they didn't know Harry was going to do that interview, and like I didn't really understand. So like, did he go rogue, and he wasn't supposed to? talk about that lawsuit and the implications on his wife at that time well i
0: just just like everything else he said he's scared of what could get leaked so i guess they didn't tell anyone until five before the announcement that they were even making an announcement
1: oh and then harry doesn't run it by the palace because they wouldn't get back to him for four weeks right and hence the impulsive uh edit of him yeah Okay. And and what does he say in that speech? Like, it. it, it, it I remember that one. I thought it was, he did a really good job. And I just remember being like, wow, it's just has so much to do with his mother.
0: Right. It definitely mentioned his mom and how his wife was falling victim to the same forces. Um, I, I feel like that's word for word, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but he basically talks about how the press has been attacking his wife and while she was pregnant and since so becoming mom and um, that she's filing a lawsuit and he's also filing a lawsuit separately about the phone hacking stuff. Um, so yeah, he's the one who made the statement. Of course, they interviewed Megan as well, but again, he's the one who came out and did it. And
1: then her bit about Uh, the British sensibility of a stiff upper lip didn't come out to the documentary aired. Right. So this same trip is when Harry did the statement that I thought, you know, made sense. He was basically, I I kind of honestly, I just respect when people are like, for me to not do this goes against everything I believe in. And like, I understand that. Like if they legitimately care about um, making this right and think that they're like being lied and manipulated by the, People that are in the, you know, palace's own camp, the people that screwed over, you know, his military career, him in Vegas, that you know led to his mother's death. That's been lies, racist lies about his wife that made her pregnancy torture. That spun out things out of context about like planes and I, like literally his. Re- I cannot imagine the depth of his resentment. And then when they had a very tangible reason to sue the press, like a like leak, like a letter it was a good opportunity. I thought he did a good job positioning it. And I honestly liked that Megan did that interview. And I know a lot of people didn't, but when she kind of, I thought that was one of the. Well, I'd be interested to hear your take. I thought that was one of the more sincere, um, interviews I've ever seen her do. And she was just so like teary eyed and I felt bad for her. And the only thing I don't think what landed maybe was like, nobody ever asked me how I'm okay. And I get what she's saying, but I don't know if she needed to say that.
0: Yeah, I don't think she needed to say that. And I think that was a petty dig at the palace people. Um, and at, yeah like, the Cambridges and just the rest of the Royal family. Um, but the part where she talks about thriving, not surviving and all of that, like it totally makes sense. It puts it into perspective that, I mean, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are or where you are in life. People still struggle. And obviously Harry has, showing he has mental health issues from the past. And I mean, who wouldn't struggle with that controlling behavior day to day in your life? Even if she wasn't reading it, they said that the palace courtiers would come to her with the information to see if it was accurate. So like she was getting inundated inundated with it every day anyway. Um, And so I get it.
1: Oh, for sure. Oh, and I'm glad you said that about William because one of the things that I found deeply upsetting is Um, that after Harry did that part, what I thought was a heartfelt, well-spoken speech about a lawsuit that is not unprecedented, that it's, that made the press made seem like it was unprecedented. Um, and William, instead of contacting Harry had somebody deliver a statement on William's feelings about Prince Harry's mental health. Yeah. He was worried about him. I was like, that is awful.
0: That's basically like feeding the rumors
1: that he does have a problem. Oh, right. But, and he's been open about that too. Like, I just, I just thought that was weird. It's like, don't, it makes me sad that it would get to a place where you wouldn't be like reaching out to him being like, Hey bro, you okay. Yeah. Instead
0: (laughs) of offering a lending hand, he sticks the knife in and twists it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was so messed up. Okay. So then they decide that for November and December, they are going to go to Canada. It's a Commonwealth country. This is where they start devising plans about a new working model. And um, ba- I thought it was an interesting tidbit that the Mulroney set them up with this like legit palace on. Is it Victoria Island? Is uh, that right? Vancouver Island, but in Vic- Vancouver Island, well, I- Victoria. I- <laughs> And um, that it was David Foster's friend because David Foster's from Canada. And I just thought it was a hilarious connection. And then I also didn't think it was the best look to say that this person let them use it at a discounted rate. Cause I'm like, that doesn't make them seem like they're saving money and not being extravagant. That just makes it seem like an abuse of privilege. Well, cool. Glad the richest people get the discounts on the stuff. <laughs> right.
0: Um, but what's funny about the David Foster thing is he's friends with his new wife. Yeah, yeah. They've been friends a long time. There's like a photo of them from like high school or something like early days. So that's I wonder funny. if that's the connection. If like, she reached out to Megan was like, Hey, here you go. Use this place.
1: <laughs> My friend has a 14, 25 <laughs> 25- <hour periods laughs> <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, also, did you watch the David Foster documentary on Netflix? It was so good. No, I didn't. You should. You'd like okay, it. Okay. I will especially as a singer yourself, a talented singer, mind you. Um, Okay. So they start, so, and in this time too, Omid clarifies how many times like Kate hasn't gone to Sandra Ham. Like, you know, they just want people to know that like, it's not that crazy to not join the queen for Christmas right? for Archie's first Christmas, you know, but also when laying out the circumstances of how they were being treated of them doing this lawsuit of them pretty, being pretty brave, fighting up, you know, against a major injustice, the family, Still not caring still not responding still talking to them through the press who the hell is gonna going to go open presents with them on christmas like no who would choose that for your child's first christmas like hell no and again not immediate heir to the throne yeah um so they're in canada and i think what was interesting here is i kind of thought uh that starting at like archie's birth time or around when they split their charities or something that they were planning this exit the whole time but i felt like they he went out of his way to make it clear that it, when they were in canada they did not want to leave the royal family at all they wanted to like find the best like the best new way of working but they were being so heavily stonewalled that it kind of ultimately like the palace wasn't responding to requests to talk they had to go through like admins to get to their diaries that weren't for weeks in advance And they ultimately had to go to extremes, I think, and just make an impulsive decision because they weren't being receptive to like wanting to compromise at first. So they kind of made it seem like it wasn't premeditated before then, which I thought they kind of always were planning it. And then they made it seem like it was kind of a last minute thing to just completely change the model to uh, leaving the royal family. And I couldn't believe they put up all of that on their website without ever running it by anybody.
0: Yeah, that that was shocking. What shocked me about this book, though, is that it didn't, because at one point, at the very beginning of all of this, everyone thought that they had blindsided the Queen with this announcement. But then right after that, it came out that, no, they've been having this talk for a while about them wanting to change their roles. It's the announcement that was the surprise. It wasn't the fact that they were trying to make changes. It was just they weren't expecting them to make the announcement so soon because there was a leak. Um, But in the book, they did not refute the claim that it was a surprise. So... Oh, they made it clear it was. Yeah. So that shocked me because after seeing all the different news reports, I thought, okay, well, they had been talking about this, but I guess they just could never get... Anyone on the phone to talk about it, and so they just were like, "Well, fuck it, I'm just gonna go ahead and post it, and we'll hope for the best."
1: And this is the only time in the book where he says that Harry hurt the Queen. Yeah. So, which means that this was like so so devastating. Uh, I like, which I knew, but then when you, I and like, trust me, I don't have a ton of like sympathy for the royals, but like, I I I think the Queen's like I respect her and her sacrifice and service but you know i just struggle with the prince andrew of it all but anyway (laughs) her support of him and not harry and Meghan is just like astounding to me but um i think when you really think about her being 93 years old this life she's completely devoted and like i don't know it is kind of wild to think of them blindsiding her in this way and like Writing themselves a new job description without consulting their ninety-three-year-old boss. <laughs>
0: yeah, but they—they they did try. I think it. I think it's prudent to say that they were trying to get in touch with people at the palace to make this happen, and no one was receptive. So it's like, not you? Wh- why? Why not wait, though? I, I, because the pa- Remember, the palace asked them to put together a list, and Harry didn't want to because he knew it would be leaked. And when he did, it was leaked. And then they were forced to show their hand.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget these things. Wanted, and it would have made, made them look they, really bad.
0: Right. They weren't planning to make the announcement then because the website wasn't even fully done. I think there were like errors and stuff on the site when they watched it. Um, hmm. I think that it was impulsive because of a leak that came out either earlier that day or the night before on the sun that detailed what their plans were. and. There had been conversation that Harry didn't want to make the list, but they were like, you need to make the list because otherwise we're not going to like have more conversation. That's right. Okay. So again, I don't know if that's all true, but because they don't list, they don't mention the list in the book, but in all the articles I read, (laughs) it was saying that he was hesitant to put anything on paper for fear that it would get out. And it did get out, which is why they came out with it.
1: And I guess the argument on the other side is like, yeah, it could get leaked and it could look bad, but your priority service and loyalty should be to the monarchy. And I, I almost was one, I mean, even though I'm sure they they're glad they got out before quarantine to be near Doria, I'm kind of like wondering if there were moments during this quarantine where Harry was like, did we need to rush that? Especially knowing now with COVID, like they could have kind of taken the time and gotten the break they needed but they'd never had a break and they didn't have time to mull over details. Like they just needed to like get out and make their statement clear and had had it, but then it's kind of like ironic to just then have life be paused entirely. And they could have maybe been in the UK and figured all this out.
0: Yeah. I just think they didn't, or at least Megan didn't want to be in the UK at all. Yeah. I think, she, maybe I think since the done, beginning. I think she's done with that. I don't think, I don't think they'll be moving back there ever. No no um so yeah then it's basically just like they they go
1: for that Canada engagement and it was there oh that was the day of my live show when and then yeah they announced right there was like speculation that um they were thinking of like moving to Canada or North America full time and it was just kind of like what why that's random and then it came out like immediately right after they were just like straight up exiting the royal family we were like what And then they have that one last, uh, so then I guess Harry and the queen and Charles met in person. Megan was going to conference call in, but didn't end up doing so where they outlined what it was going to do. Um, the queen ultimately made a pretty heartfelt comments or statement about my family and I are going, you know, she may made, made interesting choices with words. She doesn't usually say like family. It's not usually sentiment that doesn't usually have an emotional sentiment. Um, she was, I thought, which was she's their first name. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I think we all know what happened there. And then, of course, their last engagement with the most iconic photo in the history of time.
0: Oh, that blue dress. She looked so beautiful. But that that was the first to last engagement. Wasn't it the last engagement the red dress? Oh, you're right. The 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 uh, I have two things to say about this last week of things. The Commonwealth Day service where Kate completely ignored Megan. Yes. In the green dress. Yes. And then do you remember, I think I sent this to you, but do you remember this? seeing the photo of uh, Harry and Megan in a car the night she was wearing the red dress and Megan had this terrible look on her face? Like she was no. so angry. I don't know if it was Photoshopped or what, but it was, it was kind of hilarious and, at the same
1: time. <laughs> she is that the one where they were left off the program
0: uh no i think that was the daytime service so the, oh. they went to westminster abbey and she was in the green dress they met them at the church versus being in the procession
1: and what was the red dress event the red dress
0: event i think was military related and she was I don't remember there being any issue. I think it was a beautiful event. And, like everybody clapped for them. Of course, Harry's military service. Um, but after the event or before the event, they're captured in the car and Megan has this just like, she looks angry and I don't even know how to describe what that look on her face was, but I, I just looked it up and it
1: but honestly, to me, it's the face I make when I th- I. I see somebody about to get hit by a car. Really? She's almost like, yeah, if you look, if you look it up, I think it's more like a, there was like a paparazzo or something happening outside that she's like, oh, like almost startled, oh God, it doesn't look, it looks like she's reacting and not like emotional about something. It just
0: looks like a bad
1: shot. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's
0: not a um, flattering portrayal. But I remember seeing that being like, well, it's
1: over now. <laughs> so, and then- yeah there was the green dress the blue dress the red dress and why were people talking about the color of those uh, dresses uh what do you mean what were people saying i feel like e holmes was like she made a deliberate decision to wear colors of both u.s and the uk as she'll remain loyal to both i'm like i don't know i think i would just be like i like fire and red i'm wearing this tonight (laughs) what
0: does green have to do with the uk
1: right I don't get that either um (laughs) that green was not my
0: favorite I think she wore colors that would make her completely stand out which they obviously photograph well um I don't know if there's any particular significance to those colors but other than look at me this is like making a big last splash with those color choices
1: right exactly um and that is that the photo you're talking about yes Doesn't she look like
0: rather than... It kind of looks like she could be having a conversation with Harry in the car.
1: True. I don't know. We really don't have many bad pictures of her. No, and that's why I was like,
0: ooh, tough spot to have this, like, the last picture taken of you in the UK.
1: I can't imagine having to control my facial expressions at all times. Oh, yeah. There's so much that we could be taken out of context.
0: I'm so glad that this video of us chatting isn't going to be somewhere. I mean, I I feel like I look like such an insane person when I talk. <laughs> so. Well, it's funny you don't at all, but also I'm not even looking at
1: the video because I'm looking at my notes. So I keep forgetting. Uh, so you see, probably I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not
0: looking. No, right you're fine. Uh,
1: But yeah, I, I feel like that's like the book. Is there anything I missed about the end?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it just kind of neatly wrapped it up in a bow at the end, being like they're excited to see what's next, and they're going to be sharing more about Archwell soon. They mentioned something about that. Um, and then, of course, this was all before the megawatt deal with Netflix.
1: That I haven't read enough commentary on, I meant to last night.
0: I just, I cannot wait to see where that goes. Whether it's good or bad, oh, we, we will know soon, hopefully. But I'm I'm eager to see what they come up with.
1: I'm so eager to see what they come up with. Um, oh, I, I, I was like, I wrote down a couple things in my notes. I felt like I missed, but this is just not important. I I thought it was so, again, big blogger energy. She, the candles at the church were based by Tip <laughs> okay. How did I miss
0: that? Well, yeah, and then I remember them making a comment after the wedding that we wanted it to be scented in there, but apparently that's happened with like all past royal weddings. Like Kate's had the same. So like, why are we comparing? Why are we saying?
1: Exactly. So, yeah. And then there was a chapter like literally about nail polish where I was just like, I, "Okay, Handmaid's Tale." I was like regressing in real time. I'm like, "Shut up!" Like this is so dumb to even have this conversation and if like the queen honestly cares about nail polish and if Kate Middleton honestly judged Megan for that like screw her like it's just so it's just such a dumb thing and then I thought it was interesting that um the first example they use I forget if I said this of Kate defending her own rumors but then not going up against like Megan's racist rumors was that Kate's camp defended that she didn't have baby Botox
0: yeah like why were they so quick to jump to that and not anything else?
1: It's so ridiculous. Um, and. Oh, the whole bit about her writing on the bananas, oh, <laughs> Just, yeah. it's not important. <laughs> um, and then, oh, the last thing is that I. Oh, th- they also pointed out very clearly that it's not true that she prevented Harry from going on that traditional hunting trip. And I thought it was interesting at how much he emphasized how religious Megan is, because I did not see that coming.
0: I didn't either. And I. I mean, I remember hearing about that before I read this book. But I can't remember where maybe I heard it on a podcast. Or maybe Omid Scobie. I don't know. I feel like I heard it somewhere. Um, that she like had obviously gotten baptized and that she Oh, it was the people news it was a people article with the five friends that did that article mentioned that her religion to oh. her. And I was like, Where did I hear that? Um but it it is surprising because neither of her parents are very
1: religious though. Well, right. Just that sort of surprised me, but. The amount of. Okay. Sorry. I was just making sure I didn't miss anything, but I I've kept you for too long. Um, No, this was so fun. And I wanted to just say, yeah, go through details for people that didn't read it, but recap for those who did as well. I just think. I really enjoyed this. If you didn't, like, I just think it's an easy listen or read and there's fun details in it that like I, I were endless. I was constantly writing stuff down. Um, I mean, Merritt listened a few times. I enjoyed this. And if there is another tell-all on the other side, I will.
0: I, devour uh, it. Same. And even, I mean, who knows if any of it's real, like it, it all is just a, he said, she said, like I said before from each camp. Um, but that doesn't make it any less entertaining. Like, I still loved every second of it, even if it did, it was like a Megan Fluff piece, like trying to improve her image. I still enjoyed listening to it. It was fun. Oh, yeah.
1: Same. Honestly, sometimes I relish more in things if they're insufferable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's more to talk about that way. (laughs) Uh,
1: Exactly. Exactly. No, you are the absolute best where can people find you
0: um, well i just started sussex style watch back up because she's making yes. appearances so follow me on instagram at sussex style watch for megan's fashion but i also have my own personal blog and instagram which is at merit beck and you can find me at the for my fashion blog
2: And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we see No, I won't be afraid No, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me so darling, darling, stand, stand by me. me. Ooh. Stand, stand by me. Hey, yes, stand by Ooh. me. Stand by me. Stand, stand by, by me. me. If the sky that we look upon should tumble. And the mountains should crumble to the sea I won't cry I won't cry no I I won't shed a tear just as long as you stand stand by me so darling darling Just stand by me, stand by me, stand by me, stand by me, stand by me. So darling, darling. Bye.